You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. everyone and welcome to the room we talk all things Star Wars, marvel and dc this is episode number 200 we'll be discussing the rise of skywalker i'm one of your host tim i'm troy i'm carlos the goddamn batman <laughs> in the house to review the rise of skywalker sunjay sitting this one out not really by choice but he's got a lot of family stuff going on so he decided to pull back from this one and we've got the only man that can replace sunjay sitting right to my right here is carlos Welcome back to the pod, man. You're going to be a presence over the next few weeks because we've got some year in review and most anticipated that you're going to be joining us for as well. So it's going to be a lot of fun, guys. There's a lot to talk about here. The Rise of Skywalker, Episode 9, the 11th film in the Star Wars movie franchise, fifth in the Disney era, and the end of the Skywalker saga. We did our anticipation episode last week, so if you want to check that out, see what we're looking for to get out of this film but because there's so much to unpack with The Rise of Skywalker, it's an extremely dense, fast-paced, breakneck film. We're going to go straight into spoilers this week. So, spoiler tag, no non-spoiler discussion on this one. If you haven't seen the movie, unfortunately, hit the pause button and come back. Get to the theater because it's a must-watch. Then come back and hear our thoughts here. Guys, welcome to the spoiler review. Of the rise of skywalker now the reception on this film there's a lot of excitement going into it the reception coming out somewhat lukewarm i think across twitter the internet's been a dumpster fire for the most part <laughs> it kind has. of always is yeah. <laughs> but let, let's just talk about our kind of reception our, our first thoughts and feelings as we're walking out of the theater we went all 16 of us we had a blast going there big lazy boy seats yeah epic epic journey to the rise of skywalker and it was great to see it with everyone with a really great crowd but Troy, yeah, man. what was your feelings coming out of the theater? Sitting beside me, I was hitting you the whole time, yeah. elbowing you and all this. <laughs> What's going on? Like, how, how are you feeling about The Rise of Skywalker? Uh, I, I like it. I like it. I'm not blown away. I'm not disappointed. It's just uh, it's just um, a closer out for the sequel trilogy, I'll say. So I, I had some fun. I had a lot of fun, actually. It was a ride. Um, the biggest thing I took away from this film was the adventure aspect of what we've been missing, I feel like, for the whole uh 2015 era of star wars movies i feel like this one delivered big time action-packed uh we got the big three the new big three together a lot yeah. which is welcomed and uh yeah man it's a lot of fun yeah 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 how about you carlos man you're coming at this not i wouldn't say from the periphery but you're not so entrenched in fandom as troy and i i also talked to my wife before because i'm gonna bring her comments into this because she's coming from even even farther out from fandom but how are you feeling walking out of the theater yeah, like I guess out of the crew tonight, I'm kind of the avatar of the general audience <laughs> and casual fans because, yeah, I, I've watched and enjoyed all the movies, but I'm not the guy that chases swag or reads the comics <laughs> or anything like that unless I have a real burning question and you direct me to something because <laughs> you're tired of trying to answer it. But uh, yeah, you know what? I loved it. It had, uh, for me, it's just Star Wars is a certain thing. It's It's got to have some ship battles. It's got to have the lightsaber fights. It's got to have a a mysticism to it those those things that make it star wars versus star trek yeah. or any other kind of sci-fi property and it gave me all of those in spades and i walked out thinking yeah it's an awesome representation of 
the franchise and in that a great closer for the saga and the trilogy yeah so yeah i thought job done i was uh, as a kind of general audience guy i was totally shocked that people were upset by what they delivered yeah and I, you know i'm right there with you guys personally i might be a next step up because i loved it yeah you know i was waiting for the hammer to drop as we're in the theater to be because you know we heard some of the buzz like ah maybe it's okay maybe it's not and I honestly sat there jaw dropped. Like I probably annoyed the hell out of Troy because I'm like tapping them. <laughs> like every time we see a little thing, oh, there's Mustafa, I think, and oh, smoking, yeah, yeah. like all this stuff. So I'm like ra- railing on him. And then my wife said, like, you held my hand for like half the film, squeezing it. <laughs> and, you know, I, I loved it, the whole thing. Start to beginning, even with the flaws. We're going to get into some of the flaws because this thing, like any other film, it's not without it's flaws and that's okay but last week i talked about i wanted a star wars experience and this mm. is very akin to what you were talking about carlos is that i had to have those elements in it that made it feel like star wars mm-hmm. it had to have lightsabers the, yes. the big star fights it had to be fun the adventure like you said mm-hmm. troy to me it is all there we get the weird aliens we yes. get kind of the the big twists the plots this and that and that's what I loved about it. It was an experience. You know, I wanted something similar to Endgame. It wasn't quite there for me, but dang, did I enjoy this film. It had, you know, even even the humor in it, mm-hmm. I thought was really well put together. Yep. There's some real laugh out loud moments. There's some shock, some gas, some awes in this. And yeah, for me, it was, I left the theater thinking, yes, this is what I wanted out of this film, out of this trilogy. And I immediately wanted to go buy every action figure that I didn't have. I said to my <laughs> wife in my home, I got to do some, I got to go get on the hunt. She says, do you want stuff at Walmart? And I was like, well, maybe, but no. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. And so like, I can fully admit too, that with this film, as much as I loved it, it does have its contrivances. It it's, takes shortcuts sometimes. And at times I think it asks a lot of the viewers and I really felt like it was kind of two films worth of ideas stuffed into a single film. Yeah. You know, it was J.J. Abrams' trilogy, Force Awakens, and this over two films. And I think it does some work, maybe not the right work, but it does some work to backtrack on some of the elements of The Last Jedi that maybe didn't fall in favor with J.J. Abrams. Mm-hmm. And there's some of it that I can appreciate there, and yeah. some of it's like, okay. But ultimately, I think if you take episode eight and episode nine, the content that's there, if you kind of mix a few things up and we'll get into this a little bit, I think you've got a really full holistic sequel trilogy that tells a full story, a narrative arc across multiple characters and kind of closes out this saga in a really big spectacle way. It's not, it doesn't hold back on anything when it comes to the space battles, right? Mm -hmm. You see this constant escalation, all the Star Wars films from the original trilogy from the prequel trilogy and from the sequel trilogy, that there's this escalation in battles, what they can do with the Force, what they can do with lightsabers, and what they can do in space. Mm -hmm. And this one continues that escalation piece from The Last Jedi into this final saga film. And I think we get some of the best when it comes to lightsaber, when it comes to starship battles in this film itself. But one thing kind of going off of that and going off with some of the ideas that we flip-flopped with directors here, Abrams directed this coming back from The Force Awakens. Now, we had Ryan Johnson's Last Jedi that was received, again, not in the way that you would expect from a Star Wars film, especially coming off the back end of The Force Awakens and Rogue One. But it told a holistic story, and it told a story that seemed to want to take Star Wars in a different direction. It felt like maybe some of the elements of Last Jedi should have been at the end of The Rise of Skywalker, where you're kind of directing Star Wars in a different place, you know, moving away from the lineages and all that. And this one course corrects depending on who you are 
towards more of the expectation of Star Wars. And I think what a lot of people are struggling with, and I don't particularly struggle with this, but I can see it because we've seen it done really well in the MCU, a singular vision. Mm -hmm. Now, do you guys think that this as a trilogy, as a whole, kind of going from The Force Awakens, Last Jedi, into The Rise of Skywalker, do you think it it lacked that singular vision, that driving force where we're kind of checking the boxes, making sure everything's under one umbrella, everything's fitting together, and we're teasing the right things to really end the sequel trilogy? Because to me, it felt like they were stopping and starting, that they had different ideas, and as they kind of ebbed and flowed to different directors, those ideas changed and didn't translate well as far as a holistic story from film to film. Again, I think it's a great overall experience, but you can see some of the cracks in the Lucasfilm Foundation there when it comes to the lack of a singular vision. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say it failed on on vision. I, I kind of been preaching that for a little while ever since uh, Force Awakens. Um, going back to this whole trilogy, and I like two out of the three, but it doesn't really all gel well together. There's there's lots of gaps uh, with the Palpatine being forced in the in the final uh, movie here, The Rise of Skywalker, doesn't really place well. At least isn't very explained well. Um, we also have the character of Snoke. We have a couple of characters that I really liked in this movie that were kind of absent from the last two films. So there's definitely some things that weren't really threaded or or Kevin Feige. Yeah. <laughs> you could say basically, um, but even going to the prequel era, I mean, you can say what you want about it, but George definitely had a plan of what he was doing. You had your beginning, middle, end. Yeah, this movie or this uh, franchise, this uh, trilogy, definitely didn't have that going yeah. into it. Um, you could talk about the original Star Wars, um, all the way going up to uh, Return of the Jedi, but that's a different kind of time. And again, George still kind of had somewhat of an idea of what he was doing with all three, even though he didn't direct all three of those films. So this one's definitely absent of a vision yeah. I would say. well and george lucas too in the original trilogy mm -hmm. he kind of oversaw it all even exactly. though there's different directors he only directed the first one but there's other people that carried his vision through right. and i feel like whether it's ryan johnson or whether it's jj abrams mm -hmm. i think the whole trilogy would have benefited more from that singular vision Definitely. from someone like jj abrams even ryan johnson even if they kick this whole thing off i right. think they went for an mcu look-alike as far as bringing in kind of different directors younger mm -hmm. directors unproven directors in some cases but they lacked the person. Kathleen Kennedy maybe should have been this person, or at least someone that had this overall vision as to what was going on, the Lucasfilm story group, yep. Pablo Hidalgo, whomever, yep. just keeping track of things. Because they do fairly well adding on the supplemental material, like the comic books, The Rise of Kylo Ren, mm -hmm. some of the books to kind of flesh out some of this. Yep. But you need that sort of attention to detail in the construction of the overall arcing narrative, like the whole Thanos idea. I'm going to mm -hmm. talk later on about, you know, if we had seated Palpatine in a Thanos type way from Avengers one in the last Jedi, yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't have been as an abrupt transition into the rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Although the trailers told us from the beginning that he's going to be in it. <laughs> yeah. But I think they had to, right. Yeah. To make up that ground. Yeah. You had to kind of show your hand with Palpatine and yeah, I think if anything, it's just, there's a few pieces that JJ started in episode mm. seven mm -hmm. that then Ryan Johnson took and he did with, as he wanted to, um, but those character arts, when you brought JJ back, they didn't have that second movie to bring them yeah. naturally to where they wanted these characters to be to close out the series. Mm -hmm. So I think if there's a complaint is that when they started this and when they decided that they wanted to do seven, eight, nine, that they didn't say these are our characters and this is where they start. And this is where they have to yeah. finish. Yeah. And then with that, there'll be room to do all mm -hmm. sorts of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like you could have uh, the stable boy showing the force powers and stuff like that in 
episode eight and it doesn't change anything. It doesn't hurt anything. And that's a bit of freedom that your director has, but maybe he wouldn't have been allowed to kill off Luke Skywalker yeah. because JJ needs Luke Skywalker in episode nine type of thing or, right. Or who knows, do what you want to do, but you need to kind of know where you're starting and where they're going to yeah. jump off the train. Well, and then going back, not to be the dead horse of the MCU, it's, you look at things like Ragnarok and Captain Marvel, all these things, like they said, you have specific character beats that you need to like, Thor Ragnarok needs to end here. Mm-hmm. Captain Marvel needs to end here. Mm-hmm. And you can do whatever you want in between. Yeah. But we need these characters and we need someone keeping an eye on those characters. And it feels like there was, and we've talked about this before with The Force Awakens, is we thought that, you know, there was something with Leia, something with Han with regards to Rey. Mm-hmm. And J.J. Abrams, in my opinion, has pulled that thread through and answered mm-hmm. why everyone had this, like, longing look at Rey. Like, ooh, I, there's something with her, right? Yeah. And that was kind of put to bed with, there nobody and then it was kind of retconned i would almost say in this film saying yeah. that she has a specific lineage to her which i did call in like 2015 yeah. or 2016 <laughs> by the way it's in the archives no one's ever gonna find it so <laughs> i'm not gonna go back and find it um but yeah so the overall construction of the film i find that this film in itself as a standalone is fantastic mm. i, I love what was put together but mm-hmm. then when you zoom back mm-hmm. and look at it holistically yeah you can see some of the holes in it and we're gonna we'll touch on some of those but Overall, guys, th- this thing blew my brain apart. It was, like I said at the top, it was so much Star Wars. And it was all the, all the greatness that I wanted in a film. And even getting back like the mass Kylo Ren and the craziness of everything. It was, it was so good. Yeah. And we're going to jump into it now. We're going to get into kind of how we do things chronologically through here, starting with the crawl. Now, the crawl has been a mainstay, a piece that is required at the start of a Star Wars film because in the episodic nature that George Lucas constructed, it's about giving you that introduction as to what's going to happen on screen without starting from the beginning. Right. And I've always liked that aspect of it. Well, is that, for the Skywalker saga. Yeah, for the Skywalker yeah, saga. Yeah. Okay. yeah, for sure. Yeah, you don't have to start from scratch. It's Here it is. You're starting at episode four, guys. Yeah. We're midway through or towards the end of this galactic <laughs> war and you're kind of dropped into the middle of it, all these characters and all this. And you get a similar thing here with this crawl. And I'm gonna read it out here. The dead speak. The galaxy heard a mysterious broadcast, a threat of revenge. In the sinister voice of the late Emperor Palpatine, General Leia Organa dispatches secret agents to gather intelligence while Rey, the last hope of the Jedi, trained to battle the diabolical First Order. Meanwhile, Supreme Leader Kylo Ren rages in search of the Phantom Emperor, determined to destroy any threat to his power now there's a lot in that crawl and personally i don't think this asks too much of the audience if you go back to some of the previous crawls it's like here you are we're you know revenge of the sith or the, the new hope mm-hmm. kind of just drops you into the deep end of this this does the work of saying hey emperor palpatine is back mm-hmm. and you could take that first the dead speak that broadcast maybe you would have liked that at the end of the last jedi in some capacity but carlos did you find that this was too much of a crawl or do you just feel like yeah sure i can get into this this gives me kind of the bedrock i need to jump head first into what is a breakneck pace like ironically like i'm not the guy that's invested and i've heard it criticized that it's inaccessible to the general audience i thought the opposite i thought it was one of the most straightforward (laughs) and to the point crawls uh with a lot of basic information like you look at episode one and it's like what what do you mean taxation of trade routes and <laughs> what trade federation like oh i, I shouldn't have skipped that econ class <laughs> and then uh or even like force awakens like I, I still don't understand what they're trying to say in that crawl i had to read a book to find out like why the things that happened in the uh return of the jedi didn't stand anymore so yeah i i don't think it's a 
I think it's a great crawl yeah. for setting this movie up. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. What do you think, man? Um, I think the crawl makes sense um, for what we've been left with. I, I don't really know why a villain would announce to the world that he's he's back to yeah. um, to conquer. It doesn't really seem like a good strategy. But um, apart from that, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's a fine, yeah. it's fine crawl. My yeah. takeaway, my takeaway from that, from the the call, the broadcast, yeah. is that he needs Ray and Kylo to come to him. Mm. He needs to put that out in into space, literally mm. into space, and say, yeah. "I'm coming for you." come find me because i can't leave because i'm hooked up to this machine <laughs> you know what i mean and then kind of the the layup part where they're just kind of really catching us up to what everyone's doing it doesn't give us any time gap which i think we're pretty much used to that there's yeah. a big jump here but a year maybe eight Busy months year. yeah uh, from the battle of crate yeah. and then it really just bleeds into the first big three opening scenes yeah. like i said breakneck pace you know it kicks off with kylo ren and we get so much information mm -hmm. on this character and the forward-going narrative surrounding almost the whole film, especially Emperor Palpatine, in the first, like, three minutes of the film. He's on Mustafar, mm -hmm. apparently, coming out of the Visual Dictionary. He's on Mustafar, that, that Mustafar, planet. that planet. I did give that's, you an elbow. That, that's no lava, though? Like, it's just like a... Like the... So I guess, so the idea behind this, again, yeah. this is extended universe stuff, yeah. or I guess new canon extended universe, right. is that I guess Vader Immortal mentions right. that the planet was starting to heal itself. Okay. And so, like, the lava was that, that whole landscape was starting to disappear, I guess. And the people he's fighting apparently are like Vader cultists type of people. So, that whole planet that we see, even the big battle at the end? No, 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 no. So, that's Exegol. So, yeah, okay, the, okay. the planet that he's on at the start, yeah. it kind of zooms back and gives this fiery planet. Right. That Kylo goes to, and he's the one running through the bush, like slamming guys around, oh, killing people. Oh, that planet we see in the trailer. Yeah, where he gets oh, the Wayfinder from. Okay, yeah. That looks um, like a holocron kind of thing. Yeah, it looks like a holocron. Yeah. So, my takeaway was that it was Vader's. Oh, Wayfinder, okay. right, right, and that kind of he kind of didn't again. It was pretty fast, and all of a sudden mm -hmm. he's got a holocron in his hand, and that again is the the pace of the film doesn't yeah. allow for you to consume like I knew it was a holocron, right? But to me, I just take them as MacGuffins, okay. like, and there's multiple MacGuffins in this film, yeah, with ill-defined power sets, Infinity Stones, whatever you want to call them, mm -hmm. boom boxes, whatever they're called. Uh, boom oh. tubes yeah. no the mother boxes mother boxes yeah. sorry <laughs> yeah. and so it's kind of like these MacGuffins that are sitting out there and it yeah. it allows you to push the narrative around and kind of explain the reason why palpatine is hidden off in space but like really off the off the bat here we've got we've got mustafar nice. we've got the sith wayfinder um he ends up on exegol mm -hmm. immediately and then it's like boom here is emperor palpatine right like we're within the first five minutes and they're explaining the big bad here yeah and they put to bed snoke because you see him in the tube multiple ones yeah. stuck in those tubes yeah. now that to me i i freaking love that part yeah. Yeah. where he's walking in there kind of in this temple i thought it was on um what's the planet that they fight Cor corban no the planet that they fight oh, um malachor malachor yeah. i thought it was that yeah. it had yeah. very similar vibe it that did. sith temple vibe it did yeah and so i'm freaking out at this point because in my opinion, Snoke was put to rest. You know, whatever that was set up to be, maybe in The Force Awakens, it wasn't meant to be Palpatine. Yeah. But the way the character was handled in The Last Jedi, it forced the hand of the writer, in my opinion, mm -hmm. to set us up with a new big bad. Kylo Ren never speaks to me as a big bad. He yeah. speaks to me as a confused child yeah. that doesn't know what he wants. Yeah. Whether it's power or whether it's turning, he's struggling back and forth, but he never comes off as the big bad. So I think this film was, the, the hand was forced to bringing Palpatine back mm -hmm. in, you know, in the absence of maybe introducing someone else like a Thrawn or something where then you have to give this backstory why it's significant to me, bringing in Palpatine is the simplest way, especially for a general audience to be like, okay, he's the bad guy. It, yeah. you know, maybe messes a bit with the return yeah. of the Jedi, but I think 
at least in my opinion, and I'd love to hear yours, Troy. I don't think they had any other choice here. <laughs> Kylo Ren didn't, could not carry this film as the big bad. No, I agree. I agree. Well, that's kind of, um, uh, that's kind of one of the downfalls with this film, and it's kind of hard to blame it because Last Jedi didn't really leave much for this film to chew on. No. So they're kind of, <laughs> you know, it's almost like a lose lose. Um, yeah, they're definitely forced to bring in Palpatine. Um, there's definitely a lack of explanation, but then again, I guess like you mentioned, you could have brought in Thrawn, but then you'd have to explain that even more. <laughs> but at the same time, they didn't explain Palpatine's return anyway, so it doesn't it doesn't well, really matter. A, but at least the audience knows yeah. who Palpatine is, so it makes sense. Like Palpatine's easily the best choice to use in oh, this yeah. case. Just zero explanation of why he's really back. So um, I love the look and design of oh, Palpatine. So it's good, the man. most like creepy he's ever looked. Yeah. I love that look. Um, this scene you're talking about too is is phenomenal. This, yeah. I'm eating this all up at this point. Fantastic. Yeah. And yeah. he's talking about I am all the voices and he goes through yeah. Snoke's voice, Palpatine's voice, and Vader. Well, even one of the voices, the earlier voices sounded even like Phasma for a second. It sounded like Phasma or uh, Asajj Ventress. There was a female yeah. voice earlier and I was like, who is that? Crazy. Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, this is, again, kind of leaping off from this point mm -hmm. is that, like you said, you kind of, you're tied here. Yeah. And I think Palpatine, the way they brought him back, in the simplest way, and I watched, you sent a video to the DM with Chris Terrio, one of the writers here, yeah. who basically said that George Lucas left him a window that said, hey, Sidious said at one point in Revenge of the Sith that the dark side can lead to, what is it, uh, a pathway to many abilities that some consider unnatural. Yeah, that's right. And so that's the drop line, the leap that they make in saying, sure, maybe he died, but he came back to life. And he eventually goes on to explain that he's got all the other Sith inside yeah. of him, and maybe it's some like big Sith force that kind of kept him alive mm -hmm. and didn't really allow the Sith as an entirety, as, as a as a force mm -hmm. to die. And so that's what he was survived on. And his hands were all messed up. Yeah. It, it's a little shaky though, too, because at the same time, like that scene between him and Anakin, like that opera house, that's basically where he, he yeah. feels that whole thing. But it's you're, you're kind of led to believe that he has the power to keep one alive, not necessarily yourself alive, to yeah. bring yourself back from the dead. Because he says even in this film that he did die once already. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like he didn't die. So that's kind of the weird process. Mm -hmm. So you did die and something brought you back. But, the, but then you go back to the Darth Plagueis thing and he's yep. talking about the idea that he could save anyone except for himself. Exactly. So that to me goes as to why Palpatine would have been working in the background to correct. That was the big flaw of Plagueis. Oh, he wasn't able to save himself. He could save anyone but yeah. himself. But Palpatine has now swung this and said, no, I've fixed this. I can now save myself oh, from death. Wow. Because that was the singular flaw of, of, at least one of the singular flaws uh -huh. of um, Plagueis, is that he couldn't save himself. Uh, okay. Yeah, I just saw in the way that Palpatine was going to take him out. Like he, he didn't foresee what he could yeah. do. But he was but, dead. He had no way of coming back. Like he could yeah. save anyone. But Palpatine is... That, Again, that's this, why I thought it spoke of that power. Like yeah. that's that's the limit. Like yeah. you can't bring yourself back. No. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Head cannon. But yeah. yeah. Well, I've also heard it's kind of like with the Jedi's, they they let themselves go and yeah. have the next generation take over, and then they can come back and mentor the next generation. The force ghost spirit. Yeah. Yeah, but with the Sith, they almost attach onto each other with the hatred, the anger. That's what. Yeah. Them. Like Maul, basically. Yeah, and it's about. it's almost like a hive, and mm -hmm. so like. I just kind of assumed that the hive had possessed Palpatine yeah. for all intents and purposes and then took 30 years yeah. for him to come back. Or, and maybe that's how he always was, right? Is okay. that he's, I don't know what the real world equivalent would be, but he's like this Borg type of thing and looking to impart himself into Ray. So then she becomes the host of yeah. the, the generations of mm -hmm. Sith kind of right. thing. Cause they can't exist outside of the force or okay. within the force, I guess yeah. like, I don't sort of like a, like the hive thing and the body jumping. 
where you know maybe he he had embodied Snoke in some capacity, and when that vessel was done, like he's just jumping around, right? And we've <coughs> seen that in the comic books as well. Well, well in in the extended universe stuff, which is kind of like laughed at that stuff, wasn't it? No, like, it's like the, the the Vader comic book, the Charles Soule one. They have right. that guy that body body jumps. Oh, with the mask though, the yeah. helmet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the ancient Sith yeah. from Mustafar. That yeah, and he body jumps too. Again, this is the extended yeah. universe stuff, and this is maybe the detail that. <coughs> you shouldn't need yeah. to, to make these leaps. Right. But I think fundamentally, Kylo can't be your big bad. Definitely not. Yeah. And Palpatine is the easiest character to bring in 100%. to fill that hole. 100%. And yeah. I think from a writing perspective, yeah, maybe there's some exposition that is lacking a little in there. But in the absence of that, I don't know what you do because Hux is a cartoon character yeah. in, this, in the yeah. last two well, films. Episode yeah. 8 totally took his yeah. feet out from under him, right? That's Made him did. a joke. Yeah. Yeah, 100% agree. And so let's talk about Kylo here. So he's kind of this rage monster. I love these opening scenes with Mm -hmm. him. He's going to work here. But like I said before, he always seemed to me like a child looking for some direction. He never stands out as that that big leader. And he projects his image of what he thinks he's supposed to be, not mm -hmm. what he actually is. And I love that dynamic that they bring in when they eventually do reveal who Ray is, the Ray Palpatine, is that, you know, he is a someone that was born to be good, who is trying to be bad. And then you've got Ray with someone that was born to be bad and is good. And so they're both kind of now have this weird yin yang thing where they're kind of two sides of the same coin, but their roles are flipped. Like ultimately you would assume that, yeah, the descendant of Skywalker should be good. The descendant of Palpatine should be bad, but they flipped on us here. And so I find that Kyle's motivations for this whole trilogy have been all over the place. Yeah. But I like that for the character because it makes more sense for what he's struggling with. And it helps me with the redemptive arc that they do take him on here is that he's continually conflicted. Now, I guess in Last Jedi, you could argue that he goes, you know, full Sith or full bad guy at some point. But there's always that conflict in the back of his head. Mm-hmm. And I think his, his ill motivations sometimes, or at least his varying motivations, help that. Did you kind of grasp Kylo Ren? It'll take his whole arc, especially in this film. Mm-hmm. Did you find that they did some good work at the start here to reestablish who he was and kind of getting you on pace with the redemption that they do take him on? Hmm. Kind of. I, you know, I have to give full props to Driver for the material yeah. that he had to work with because he's completely believable throughout the whole mm-hmm. thing, throughout the whole trilogy from 7, 8, and 9. And this is probably the most I like the character mm-hmm. with this film. Um, the Redemptive arc, I still struggle with because he's still like, what does he want to do with Ray? He wants Ray to join him basically throughout the whole time. I didn't really quite understand when he did turn, what, whether it was Leia that did something or whether it was that the Han moment. Yeah. So I, I still struggle. I got to see it again to understand really how he turned. So I, if it's bleeding into the redemptive arc, I, I guess I don't. Yeah. Yet, so I probably have to see it a couple more times, but um, yeah, I, 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 all I can say is this props to Adam driver. Yeah. I thought he did a phenomenal job. Yeah. 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 No, I, I liked it. And I don't know to, to give credit to what JJ did and Kylo Ren, really what we saw on screen, Kylo Ren didn't do nearly as many horrific things as Anakin Skywalker did, <laughs> right? Like, it, it's shocking to us as an audience because you know Han Solo and it's like his dad. But, you know, I never saw Kylo Ren <laughs> wipe out a room full of kids, right? So, yeah, seen yet at least. yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if Vader could have a redemption arc, I don't know why Kylo couldn't. Yeah. Um, and I, we'll get to it when we get yeah. to that scene in the... But I do have a couple of theories as to the whole Leia bit. Okay, so, yeah. cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, I do too. I'm looking forward to getting to that. And yeah, I think, I think, and it's funny because the color, the rides color on comics starts off by saying, we're going to soften Ben Solo here. Definitely. Like they do a lot of work there. Again, supplemental material, Mm -hmm. but there does seem to be a drive to make that character not as evil as maybe he wants to be. And that's why I like this, this motivation thing I was saying, like this projection of himself that he wants everyone to see. Mm-hmm. He's got the mask on, mask off. I think they mean two different things. When he puts the mask on, he wants to be the bad guy, the Knight of Ren, the Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. And he pops that thing off from time to time. I find that he's looking for something different, right? Because that you see pure evil on that mask. But when he's fighting Rey and when he's talking to Rey, the mask is almost always off. Mm-hmm. The exception of one kind of crucial scene where he's trying to trick her using the Palpatine t- uh, toe. And so I think there's importance too to his mask being on and off in the film, and one specifically it is there. And you're right, Adam Driver kills this role. Yeah, man. I think he's to me he's my favorite character in the sequel trilogy. I think he's the most complex. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't always a favor of the redemption arc, and I'm gonna call it a semi-redemption arc. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they get to full redemption, but he does make up for, I guess, some of the evils that he did execute on this right um he did have a hand in blowing up you know the entire hosnian prime system <laughs> killing off the new republic yeah so <laughs> it, it, it's interesting there but we're gonna get back into kylo ren because i want to step into the next pay or next part of this incredibly breakneck pace and that's when we're joined by finn poe chewbacca r2 and these are the secret agents that are referred to in the crawl where leia sent them out to gather some information now Finn and Poe, in my opinion, didn't have a whole bunch to do in The Last Jedi. I really like both the characters in Force Awakens. This film, I freaking love them. Yeah, man. Their chemistry is palpable. Poe, to me, had some of the best lines. He was that kind of comedic relief a bit. Yeah. Um, And Finn also, he had a very grounded story in this one. Yeah. Where they're leaning on, is he force sensitive? He definitely has some sort of feelings for Ray. Mm-hmm. He's got great chemistry, like I said, with Poe Dameron in there. Yeah. That back and forth to me, starting on the Millennium Falcon, yeah. we're talking about Chewy cheating and yeah. all this. It, I, some of the moments that, especially that Poe Dameron had, I'm laughing out loud in the theater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, Poe is great. And I, it is good to see in this film the humor. Yeah. was worked for me they yeah. didn't try chasing the marvel humor they, they stuck to what they established in episode seven and some of the humor in that movie is probably one of the funniest star wars movies i've seen in a while this one's right up there too and it all feels organic when yeah. they're, they're chatting especially when we see all three of them together and they're cracking some jokes so um finn and poe man i remember when we first saw them in force awakens together trying to get off the um i think kylo ren's base whatever yeah. the case was and i immediately fell for these guys uh bromance i thought these two were dope <laughs> yeah. yeah and uh, it's so cool to see them uh keep up or um pick up with that um it's really good to see. You can feel like they've had a lot of time together. Even mm-hmm. Ray, as soon as um, they come across Ray on that <laughs> secret base, too, yeah, yeah. you get the sense that these guys have all been hanging out for quite some time. Yeah. And finally, like Ray and Poe are like interacting yeah. with each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great stuff. Did you did you have that same kind of from Force Awakens that that bromance, that love for these two characters, and really seeing them develop here together? Yeah, they were awesome. Like I, I liked Poe from the start. I thought it was cool to see like brown guy on the screen yeah. kind of thing, first time in Star Wars, and then. Finn was always an interesting character. And with this one, I thought um, with Poe, he probably had the most continuity from episode eight to yeah. nine because they showed his development and how those experiences in episode eight uh, changed him for episode nine. And then Finn was fascinating because he had just such a maturity to him, mm-hmm. whereas before he was always kind of played up as this lost guy just doing what he 
feels to be the right thing, but not knowing how to go about mm-hmm. it. Whereas he had some agency this time and he presented as a leader. So yeah, yeah no, I, I love the two of them. Like the flashlight scene, <laughs> the theater broke up laughing both times. Yeah, so. that's yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes too is when the, the reveal, and we'll talk about it in a bit about the Hux reveal. And Poe just goes, what? Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. that killed me. <laughs> I knew it. No, he didn't. <laughs> like, the back and forth there, it, it feels very ad-libbed as well. Yeah. And, yeah. Lo- you know, looking back on some of the production stuff, I guess JJ was a bit more free with mm. the ad-libbing, especially with these guys. Yeah. Because the back and forth and the chemistry on and off screen was there. And I think that really showed through in the fact that they were allowed to kind of at least explore the dynamic of the mm-hmm. characters and a more personal dynamic of the characters, which I can really appreciate. And even, you know, getting towards Finn, there, there's an arc built in there that's likely going to be explored somewhere else where, you know, he's talking to Janna and he's talking about this mm-hmm. whole idea of the awakening where mm-hmm. all these four stormtroopers put down their weapons. And I think there's like a broader look at, at that arc that maybe didn't get explored in the detail that you'd want for Finn. Finn got a lot to do, yeah. but we're still missing a backstory of Finn. Yeah. And I don't think that's a fault of this film. There's just too much to do. Definitely. But he's definitely, I think, a step up, at least in my opinion, from what he was in The Last Jedi. He was kind yeah. of this goofy... Like, you go back to the original yeah. book that came out before The Force Awakens, and he's a badass stormtrooper. Yeah, like a leader, he's saving people and all this. And then he kind of gets played off as just like a, a bit piece yeah. in some of the other films. And that's not what this character is really about. This no. character was better served or best served, I think, in The Force Awakens as well as this film. He's yeah. made a full general in this film, yeah. which yeah. I love. Yeah, that's great. And Absolutely. it felt earned, too. Yeah. It wasn't, well, General Jar Jar kind of thing. Oh. It's like, you're the guy. General it Jar-Jar. was like... Yeah, he 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 was a general because he was capable and exactly. he was making yeah. decisions and he was executing st- like it was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, what about this hyperspace skipping or whatever it is? Oh, that's cool. Like, it was really oh, cool. Oh, that's dope. I love that. That's something new. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was awesome. And, like, maybe they went through Cloud City at some point. Yeah. And it was... This, this is the type of stuff. The action in this film was on point. Like, and they're doing different things. That's the nice thing about Star Wars. And I'm talking about Escalation before is that we're seeing the Falcon do this hyperspace skipping. Yeah. And I think that's just a result of they can track us through light speed. Yeah. And you see the TIE fighters taking off in the light speed too, which mm-hmm. gotta love a good chase sequence in Star Wars. Oh yeah. And this one kind of really kicks it in the high gear. And like, you're almost breathless after these first two scenes. And then you go into, and it calms down just a little bit. We go to the secret base and we've got Ray here, you know, be with me, be with me. You're not with me. And she's doing the, the floating, the meditation with the rocks rotating around her. To me, that really visually speaks to how far she's come as a Jedi. You know, some of the complaints from around fandom is that, well, she just kind of is good at everything. <laughs> and I think this kind of gives you that sort of Luke Skywalker and Return of the Jedi thing where a lot of time has passed and she's been focusing on training. Now, the key thing here to this that blew my brain apart is when she refers to Leia as master Mm -hmm. and then we get the flashback later on in the film where we've got luke and leia training and that she is in fact pretty much a full jedi she just never took that final trial (laughs) and that speaks again that helps with some of the the carrie poppin stuff i think in the last (laughs) jedi where it's yeah she's a full-fledged jedi and i love this but coming into this how are you guys feeling about ray from this first scene again her due she's clearly grown into the role Mm -hmm. of a I don't know if you want to call it a full-fledged Jedi, but she's pretty much where Luke Skywalker was. You know, basically it's one of those things you have to face to kind of that that last that that last enemy that's standing in front of you to get through it to becoming 
that that true Jedi. But is is Ray hidden for you here, Carlos? Yeah, like she had she had a grace to her with her command of the Force, and I love the scene with the rocks, and because it was a bit of an escalation for the things that we've seen in Empire Strikes Back yeah. and whatnot during those training uh, eras of the of the various Jedi's that we followed through, and like I love when she lets them all go instead of just <laughs> falling on the ground. She kind of has that that heel kick where she lands softly and yeah, it was, it was cool. Like I, I really, to be honest, like she is probably of the lead and uh, protagonist through the different trilogies. She's my favorite mm-hmm. between Luke and Anakin and herself kind of thing. And yeah, I thought they, they quitted her. Well, I've never had that issue with Ray. Yeah. Um, no, I thought, yeah, she's no different than Luke Skywalker was kind of thing. But uh, yeah, for me, I thought it was a, great introduction to her and a perfect way to have Carrie Fisher's final turn as Leia yeah. in the movie. And yeah. given what they had to work with, I thought, yeah, bravo. Yeah. yeah that's good. Yeah. You love a good training montage, Troy. Oh, I, you know, I was just going to say, <laughs> listen, man, I love blood sport training montages and Rocky and all that <laughs> stuff, man. Kickboxer, give it to me. Um, and, and empire empire, you know, yes. Luke's train on Dagobah. This for me, I mean, if I'm comparing it with all of those, this, this is probably the weakest one, but still not to say it's not bad by any means. Um, the effect looked pretty cool. I've always been down with the race power set. I don't care if she's OP or what yeah. like, I think, <laughs> I think she's awesome. Um, the layer thing kind of took me out of the loop. The layer thing again is what goes to the point where it's like they didn't have a vision of what they were doing this. Yeah. Film. There's no way in episode seven she was a master. You read bloodlines. There's no word of really any kind mm-hmm. of Jedi training. Um, what saved it for me though is when we do get that sequence of a young Leia and Luke training. Yeah. Then I was like, shoot, okay, I'm all in. Yeah. I like what they've done here. That really saved it for me because if I didn't get that clip with the two lightsabers, then I'd be like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, going in there, you know, like you said, too, they had to work with what they had left with Carrie Fisher, unfortunately. So with that being said, it, the whole scene overall did work with me. Yeah. yeah. Do you think now, and I agree, with Carrie Fisher, mm-hmm. it was executed almost perfectly. It wasn't a cameo role. It wasn't even a glorified yeah. cameo. Like she played, she had an arc in the film. Yeah. Um, where you saw her develop. And some of the dialogue, there's some scenes where you're sitting there and she just doesn't say anything. Yeah. And you're kind of like, okay, I know why they're doing this. Yeah. These are just kind of leftover scenes from The Force Awakens. But mm-hmm. what they had, they gave her a nice closure to the character. It mm-hmm. wasn't kind of an abrupt, like, I'm going to do the Holdo type thing or whatever, right? It's She has a whole story. I wouldn't say a whole story, but narratively, I think it works for this. And I like yeah. that they went to the master end of things. But do you think that that, again, is something that's forced out of The Last Jedi because they don't have a Jedi master to train her? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you don't have Luke Skywalker, and I my my assumption was that he would be forced ghosting training her. Yeah, and but then they kind of swung it over to Leia and having kind of someone actually physically being there. Right, and the connection to Luke isn't as broad. Like they establish it here that she's unable to talk to anyone at this point in time. Yeah, um, she's trying to earn Luke's lightsaber from Leia, and that to me is what gives. I think a really great dynamic. It's really great to have Leia training Ray because mm-hmm. um, it's not where I thought this was going. I thought Leia's arc was going to be push a button and something explodes and she's kind of either set aside mm-hmm. or she comes back at the very end and does something crazy, wild, whatever. Mm-hmm. But she's not even present in the final battle, which to me, I think speaks in volumes to them not even wanting to do something that 
skews away from giving her the proper send off. I think, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, what she does with Ben and with Kylo, like she basically sacrificed herself in the same way that maybe Luke did for Kylo to kind of give him that push to the light side. But I do like what they do with Leia here. I think they give her a lot more than just kind of the princess, the general, and the Jedi, which I, I think is pretty cool. Yeah. 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 As we continue to barrel through this film, we uh, we take our first mission here because as we had the, the secret agents, Finn and Poe here, they captured this message. And this is, again, where maybe the exposition gets a tad clunky, where they kind of just show up and say, the Emperor's back and he's coming in 16 hours. I'm not a big fan of giving yourself a timeline in a film because then some of the stuff seems unrealistic that they did the rest of the movie within 16 hours. Like if they had said, he's coming at some point, we just need to get there. I get why they put time limits because it's kind of the speed, the narrative and the pace of the film up. But that to me just seemed a bit clunky that it was just an announcement <laughs> at some round table that I felt that maybe if they had gone the route of let's investigate the idea of Palpatine coming back instead of chasing the MacGuffins to actually get to Palpatine. And it's like, let's suss this out and see if it's actually real first. It's not just the first order playing tricks on us, <laughs> except it was kind of just taken as fact yeah. and they ran with it in the film. And to me, that maybe needs a little bit more work in there because you're meant to believe that. And I guess the, the audience, as we're watching it, we know Palpatine's back, but I find it just hard to believe that everyone was just like, yep, that's it. Let's go. <laughs> that was to me, one of the more clunkier pieces of, of the, of the dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, I'm just thinking about it because now that you mentioned it, I'm just thinking, like, why he didn't go to Palpatine? Like, if he's on this planet and he's kind of, like, exiled himself, he's kind of contained there, like, why go there? It's to destroy the... Because they, they know about the Star Destroyers. Like, he's got, like, right. the Sith fleet. Right, that's so he like, can actually control them? Like, from there, they can go wherever they want? And I think so. The, yeah, at the end, they're just trying to get off the surface of the planet. Oh, okay. And because of, like, the, the way the poles are, they can't get out on their own. They right. have to get to space, and then it's like... They have the, the, this massive armada oh, okay. that can destroy anywhere. So I guess what the idea is, and then they have all these like laser cannons that can kill planets. Yeah, they're just death stars. Death stars. Yeah. <laughs> so it seems like they want to get there to defeat them defeat. before they get off planet. Oh. Because within that 16 hours, it's basically you're with us or you're against us type thing. If yeah. you're against us, you're dead. Right. And so that's the time limit <laughs> that puts on, on the pace at least of this. And the reason they have to get to Exegol and it's kind of a they kind of snake their way through the galaxy to get there mm -hmm. um, but at first it's just it's just immediate buying and I think the pace of the film demands them to just accept the fact that Palpatine's back and he's got this armada that's huge yeah mm -hmm. demands like, the audience to accept yeah. the yeah. fact well, that Palpatine's exactly back. well then they are, and they're, <laughs> at, they're taking all this from the mole right mm -hmm. like and we've seen moles before we've seen them capturing Death Star plans and all this type of thing we had a whole film about it yeah um, pretty good film yeah great <laughs> film but this one just makes that little extra leap did you feel that that was a little bit more clunky no I just you just, just kind of go it. with it right <laughs> like it's yeah, yeah you get it and I think they had set it up so much that um, it almost would have been overkill if they really throttled it back yeah. with needing to convince the rest of them mm -hmm. um, who knows you could have had something where Ray kind of senses yeah that and or Leia or something or, like yeah. that and just gives like a, a couple lines of exposition there I'd say that that to me was kind of the one thing that kind of took me out of the film a little bit. It was just how abrupt that was. Yeah. You know, it doesn't happen very much for me in this film, but that was one of the times it was just like, okay, we're going. Yeah. Um, and it, it really sets up things because we end up, 
MacGuffin chasing here. And that's some of the fun of Star Wars, right? Is we're chasing this random stuff through the galaxy. And then we get exposed to all these different planets. And then it allows us to build up space for these lightsaber duels and exploration of the force and all that. And the first one really is this mission mission to Pasan. And this is the, the desert planet. Mm. And they're going and looking for this this part here. It took me a little bit of figuring to kind of work my way through again, because I think as a general audience, and I asked my wife this, I said, did you get this part? Did you? Yeah, they're looking for a dagger. Like, and that was basically the ins and outs of it. But me as a, an immersive Star Wars fan, I'm trying to understand who these characters are, why Lando's back here and all that. But it's great that we got, you know, the crew going on the Millennium Falcon and heading out on a mission. Yeah. They end up on this planet and they end up running into Lando Calrissian. Like, come on, Billy mm-hmm. D. Williams back in the role. Yeah. Smooth and suave as ever. Oh, as ever. Yeah. No, he was good right away when I saw the arrow. I was like, I was nudging my wife. I was like, oh, it's Lando for sure. I didn't get that. Yeah. I was yeah. like, that kind of, I was like, whoa, that's Lando when yeah. he took the helmet off. Yeah, because I thought it was kind of a callback to Return of the Jedi, him wearing like the, yeah, the yeah. gear, right? And um, and right off the bat, man, Billy D felt comfortable on the screen. He seemed like he's just himself. You know, sometimes you get, uh, you know, the character that hasn't been in that role for quite some time and you can kind of see uh, the rust. Yeah. I yeah, didn't yeah. get that at all with him. He was ready for action. So he was great. Um, I love this planet too. I really like the even the little bit of the music aspect. Yeah. It felt prequely with a little bit of what JJ's done in episode seven's bar. Like I loved it. The music was cool. Yeah. I love that species. I loved how they looked at Ray as somebody yeah. or uh, like a hopeful prophet, I guess. But um, no, that all worked. And I still felt a touch of rebels too going into the battle that we had with those troopers that yeah. were flying around. So I really like this part of the movie. Actually, yeah. I had a lot of fun here. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. You feel on this part? Oh yeah, it was cool. Like I, I liked that they had this culture on showcase, and it um, it was one of the few times that this movie slowed down yeah. to let you get into the world a yeah. little bit and um, to appreciate what they're doing. And it it gave you a reason for why the Empire can't resist or the New Order, or yeah, whatever. Right? Like these people need to be protected because clearly they're not going to protect themselves. Yeah. And they had the scene with like the teacher and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff and. I felt it was a bit of a callback to Ray's upbringing as well, because the planet was kind of mm-hmm. reflective of Jakku, mm-hmm. but yet she's interacting and watching all these kids and they're thriving. And, you know, you, you kind of put her in that position. It's like, well, no, you had like uh, the junk trader guy. Is... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 What's your last name? plot. Yeah. Like, yeah. Out of that one, basically. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. cool, though. I think yeah. that really sets up the ending a lot, mm-hmm. is that, and it kind of plays to this idea of, her lineage you know it's not we're not quite there yet that we know that she's a palpatine but she's almost accepted the fact that you know she's just ray mm-hmm. and yeah i kind of like that there she's not still dwelling on the idea of where my parents are like she's accepted the what kylo told her in the last jedi and has moved on from that which i think is it's kind of it's a nice way to see the character rounded out a little is that she's just i'm just ray well yeah i, I got that um but again, there's also moments too, because throughout, I think even there, she's kind of hesitant, like, wait, like, like shoot, who am I? Like, oh yeah, yeah I'm, I'm Ray. So yeah, she's kind of accepted that, but we, I like what we got here, but I feel like, again, and I don't want to keep going at Last Jedi, but we don't get that in Last Jedi. We don't get these moments of her trying to figure out like, wait, who am I again? Or like my parents or my memories kicking in. Cause there's a lot of stuff in this movie where she's like, oh wait, I remember this and yeah. this and this. 
they don't get any of that in the last well, one. They use a lot of the force back stuff, right? Where like she touches the dagger well, and kind of like that pushes too. back. Yeah. And so it's like these artifacts yeah. that are doing the same thing, same thing that the lightsaber does. Like, whoa, what was that? Exactly. So Abrams uses that as a, a technique again. Which I welcome. 100%. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And it gives you that visual exposition that you need. And I, sometimes it's like, whoa, like who's this guy? Who's a Sith hunter now? Mm-hmm. This Ochi or whatever he's called. And it's kind of that's where to me where it gets a little complicated. And I'm trying to break this down in my head as to exactly what they're doing. Bottom line, though, they're chasing some Sith artifact that Luke and Lando were chasing. Which I'm like, I want to know about that. Yeah. I want to see that. Like, Luke and Lando teaming up? Oh, well, and these man. are things that, like, that 30-year gap yeah. that these films, I don't think, had the time nor needed to show us. Right. Like, it's really cool that we had Luke and Lando splintered off at some point yeah. and kind of ran into a dead end ch- chasing exactly what the three of them are chasing here. Yeah. And if you go back, and this is something interesting, I was I was kind of questioning why was Lando still on that planet? Like, mm. what was the reason he just kicked around there? Mm. So I guess in earlier parts of the script, his daughter went with them and was taken oh. off that planet, and he had the inverse of Ray, where he was just kicking around that planet, waiting for her to come back. Mm. You know, if she oh. comes back, then I'm gonna be here. Mm. And so, and I think originally it was meant to be Jana. Mm, like the okay. first order of stealing kids and all this right and because they have that weird moment at the end right really weird moment yeah where yeah. he's like let's go find out like yeah. i thought he was gonna say well, you're my daughter yeah. <laughs> yeah. but apparently in versions of the script that had a little bit more meat to it right and it explained why lando was there because i was kind of why is lando here like i'm okay with it yeah and i thought that was the secret agent that was referred to in the crawl initially right but it seems like a nice way. It's, I love bringing back the OT characters oh, yeah. to help these sequel trilogy characters progress this overall narrative. And he directs them towards what they were doing. And this is this whole idea. And we get some flashbacks later on or forcebacks later on that explains that there's a Sith hunter who's working for Palpatine who had the dagger, who killed her parents. And this is the guy that we find the bones, or at least the remains in the desert here. But this all comes after this another great chase sequence. And so oh, yeah. as you referred to this as yeah. kind of the Rebels yeah, type of chase sequence, we've got basically snowmobiles in the sand, yeah. jet troopers. We've got the whole crew on skiffs here. Yeah. C-3PO is playing big moments here. Yeah. And kind of his comedy is hitting as well. BB-8's getting in on the action. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we see a lot of really great dialogue between Finn and Poe here. Another really fun chase sequence. Yeah, no, this was do- You know, it also reminded me a bit of um, Solo. Yeah. Some of that kind of like oh, high, yeah. fast-paced action going on. Or even like the pod race. Yeah, yeah, right. So, no, I really like what they did here. Um, it's cool to see a lot of blasters, too. Like, pin foe. Uh, yeah. Pin foe. <laughs> pin and... Uh, <laughs> pin? Pin and Poe. Man, was, I, was, I can't put those You just said together. pin again. Yeah, yeah. So, pin and Poe and... Um, and um, and Ray, obviously, yeah. it's cool to see them like using their blasters and going at it. I like that maneuver. That um, again, I'm feeling like somebody force sensitive would do this, but Finn, how he throws that like grappling hook of some sort with yeah. such like I don't know, like aim, uh, and it takes down that whole trooper and whatnot. But the effects were great throughout this whole film oh. too. Like man, really stunning. Yeah, yeah. Like you yeah. can't tell what's practical, what's CGI no. in this. No, you like, really can't. This is one of like the, all three of these films have been incredible looking yeah. yeah they're beautiful yeah yeah and this this one again in spades does that. yeah definitely and there's some really great moments here as we're kind of moving on and we get to the point where number one mcguffin in ray's pocket mm-hmm. here and so the sith dagger here we can't read it so this is kind of an interesting thing that i think they give c-3po to do because he had quite the presence in the film compared to even the last two films where 
I would say that maybe glorified cameo is what you'd relegate him to. But here, he's got a lot to do, and he actually plays a pivotal role in the narrative and also pushing it forward, too. And I like what they're doing with C-3PO here. Anthony Daniels had a lot of work yeah. in yeah. this film. And we'll get to some of the, the key things here as we, again, start to chase MacGuffin number two, which is Babu Frick and the Sith text. Smile, we've got the dagger. But before we get there, we've got three major force elements that are not introduced, but I would say expanded on or evolved in this scene too here. As we're loading up, trying to get off in this ship, which is, I guess, the same ship from The Force Awakens. Uh, that takes off from from Jakku mm-hmm. after dropping off Rey, we we see a couple things that are very interesting. So we see the Force healing for the first time, first time in film, I yeah. will say, first yeah. time in film. Yeah, Mando just guys, no spoilers. Kylo, but, Kylo comic. Yeah, see? Kylo yeah, comic. Yeah, exactly. There, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, we see that what's called the dyad, which is this Force length, this bridge that was really introduced in a big way in the Last Jedi. Yeah. And then we see eventually the force lightning really taking off here oh, yeah. from Ray. But let's talk about the healing here. So they get stuck in this pit and we've got, you know, classic monster in Star Wars. And there's this connection between it and Ray, very similar to Ezra mm-hmm. in that, you know, I thought she was talking to it. Yeah. But she seems to be able to kind of tap into the force in a big way and establish this healing power which becomes very important for later on in the film, several times. Yeah, Um, rule of three. Exactly. I like what they do with this healing power. And, you know, Star Wars, again, speaking of escalation in the Force, we see new things each and every time. And I like this one. Are Are you buying this, Carlos, that this healing power, or do you find that it's a bit overused in the film to kind of allow us to come back from some of those, you know, big, you know, fake out kills (laughs) no i thought it was perfect like and i i love that they did it in such a subtle way here um because if they didn't use it to the end that they did at the end of the movie it would just go to build ray's character right that she's not um one to jump to the use of use of force but like use of (laughs) violence um to overcome obstacles that she you know put herself out there and then she heals the the big sandworm thing to get it out of the way um and yeah, it was perfect that they do that there and it could be nothing, but then it plays a huge yeah. role in act two and then obviously in act three. So yeah, yeah, it was a great way to introduce it and carry it through. Yeah, for sure. Too much for you, man? Or? Too much. Way too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah way, way too much for me. Well, because it's just uh, the thing with this film that also suffers is um, convenience. So yeah. they get themselves in troubles, but then they have, okay, well, we got this in our back pocket. Just use this. Um, so yeah. So yeah, granted, we've seen it in uh, yeah. Oh, shoot. Kind of spoiler I'll beep it. <laughs> so we've seen it in TV properties. And we've seen it now even hinted in the comic books, right? Um, I can't remember if we've seen them in video games and whatnot. But it almost felt like Lucasfilm was like, look, we got this movie coming up and we're going to use something. So I want that property used in the comic books. I want that show to use it so we get the whole audience familiar with what we're going to do. Um, this film beats it over the head a couple times. We see it with the, the snake. We see it with Kylo Ren, and then we see Kylo Ren use it again yeah. towards uh, towards Ray. It just feels to me that's just a little too much too much power for anybody. I know the Force you can do a lot of things, but it's kind of cool when you have the Force and you're not invincible, as opposed to um, having the Force and you are invincible. Yeah. So for yeah. me, it felt like a little bit of a cop out and just an easy fix for basically going further down the yeah. road. Yeah. I like that how they set it up here, mm-hmm. and I agree that maybe using it once in the capacity that it was used, but kind of the the full spectrum of its use across the film. Yeah. 
maybe a little too much but yeah. here to me establishing this as a power mm -hmm. it allows you to not leap to i need to save your life i'm going to force it out of you type thing right yeah. Yeah. and that's the whole like idea of the in quote mary sue type thing where yeah. oh now she can do anything no yeah. they've showed it here they've established that it is possible and yeah maybe this scene in the last jedi allows you to escalate to what they did and maybe this is a bit quick but my assumption going into this is that they show us something and it gets bigger at some point. Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, though, like, you look at the power sets of these two characters. Yeah. And this goes to the scene with the, the lightning in the neck. Like, literally the next scene here. Yeah. We don't see this scale of power even in Luke Skywalker. No, I mean, in the X-Men. No. <laughs> this is crazy. But she's but, not yeah. a conventional Jedi, right? No. When I, you learn her lineage. Yeah. So I think that's why she gets a pass for me. Because it's yeah, like, 100% well, agree. No, see, but like, X, see, I guess, so, yeah, if you see it that way, I get it. But again, like, we... The Kylo Ren comic book. We got that one individual who's like a nobody Jedi, and he he's attempted to heal that one guy. And the one guy's like, "No, you're you're not even good enough to do this yet. Like you're not quite there to heal me yet." So any Jedi can basically get to that level of doing it. So it's not just like Ray's the only one that can use that power. Any Jedi can use that power. So it's kind of like it's like a cheat code that if you are now say this kind of master, if you sit at the council now, you have the ability to use this Force power. I just feel like. If you were just maybe the one chosen one that could do it, I, I guess. But if every Jedi can use that power, it's just... It's I would say a it's a certain much. caliber of Jedi. Because you could go back to the prequels and say yeah. it's a cop-out. Because why didn't Obi-Wan save Qui-Gon? He just got stabbed through the, the chest there. Yeah. But he's, he's yeah. a Padawan, Exactly, right? yeah. And he can't use it. Yeah. And so I'd say that there's a level of expertise that requires concentration, whatever. Yeah. And I think, you know, you look at the lineage of these two. If you want to boil down Star Wars to lineage, which mm -hmm. The Last Jedi tries to steer away from, but ultimately this movie really focuses on, <laughs> yeah. is that these are like the culmination of, you know, decades of the evolution of the Force with inside an individual. You've right. got the Skywalker and the Palpatine. Right. Um, and maybe skips a generation, <laughs> which we'll get into. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It seems to me like I give all this a pass. Like yeah. I'm not I'm not concerned with force abilities and stepping up and all that. You know, we go into Empire Strikes Back, also we got Force Ghosts. We go into Which is cool. And he's calling out to Leia over, you know, you know, thousands and th into space and all this. And you yeah. got Vader calling back to him. So things change. Emperor uses lightning in, in Return of the Jedi. So yeah. I'm okay with the escalation of it, but I will put the caveat on that if it's used too much to get you out of kind of I won't say sloppy writing, but corners you've painted yourself into yeah. like i think to me you take away the ren stabbing and the healing there and it works at the end for me yeah that yeah. ray doesn't really use it again but yeah. then kylo uses it saying like look this is a force power i'm you know up here i'm gonna use this on you yeah um because that seemed like a weird fake out and we'll get to that to the kylo ren one but yeah. um the dyad Actually, let's let's talk about because we talked about the force lighting and all that and their power sets and how they've grown mm -hmm. what about holding the ship in the air i this to me i was like whoa like this is i love this and this yeah. you go back to jj's original script in the force awakens and there's always this rumored scene or maybe it was for the last jedi that luke was pulling a star destroyer out of the sky oh yeah because they're pulling from uh, force unleashed the video yeah. game so when star killer base or star killer the character does it on a star destroyer yeah so he was like yeah we want to see that so everybody thought that was going to happen in um yeah. last jedi when i think he used to do that like that was a big thing in the dark empire comics that dark yeah. horse did was that he's like so powerful he could crush at at and oh yeah. you could luke yeah nice, nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> i like this i think this again speaks to the the power escalation of mm -hmm. all this um did you appreciate what they were visually showing us here and then eventually the escalation to ray where she zaps this thing and explodes yeah like it, it was it was that moment that you showed that she was truly a step above yeah. everyone else and 
you know, you look at how they struggle to just lift X-Wings and stuff out of the water before. So, yeah, it, it, it worked for me. And it, it certainly achieved their goal of showing that she's on another level yeah. from anything you've seen before. So, yeah. yeah. You buy this, man? Uh, I like it. I like the struggle. Because it kind of calls back to um, Last Jedi, which is one kind of a cool moment when they're struggling between the lightsaber. Yeah. Um, I don't know why lightning didn't come out then. But anyways, her powers, I guess, have become double. So lightning happened here. And it looked cool. Yeah. It looked cool. The shocker, though, I thought they were done with Chewie. Oh, really? I, d- I didn't think he was coming back. To oh, okay. Because yeah. yeah. like, they had this like, steady like killing of OT characters. <laughs> and like as detrimental to the character of Rey as it would have been that she was responsible for killing Chewie. Yeah. To me, it was fitting. And it was working towards her the whole concept of her having too much power mm-hmm. and the inability to control it and she eventually really wants to exile herself down mm-hmm. the road because of what's inside of her and this speaks volumes to that is that there's no control here like that whole this whole thing out of her fingers mm-hmm. was new to her as far as i got yeah definitely and it spoke to like that there's still this power buried inside of her and they even the force awakens speaks to that mm-hmm. um and some of the extended universe material is that and this goes to anakin as well is like he's the only human that can pod race he doesn't know he's using the force, but he's using the force. And mm-hmm. Ray's the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't know that she's using the force, but it's there. It's some innate ability that is kind of controlling thing. And you even get Finn, Finn with some of the hints of this. Yeah, no, that, that scene was really cool. I and mean, you kind of uh, branded it up for me. Because I, what I really appreciate from that film or that scene is the fact that she did kind of mess up. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. the importance of like, oh, shoot. Like, you know, the cool things with like Smallville or X-Men is when they use their powers and it's uncontrolled. And they have to live with the uh, the consequences for yeah. it. So that's kind of actually the biggest thing I liked from that whole moment. And then her obviously, you know, going down the road and exiling herself for like two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, the, the last thing here is we had to have this duel between Kylo Ren's TIE fighter and Rey. She kind of senses that he's coming. Um, and they've used this, this dyad moment where it's this force bridge or whatever to get Kylo Ren and the Knights of Ren there. And I love this dyad thing as a plot device um sometimes i bang on about you know you can't have convenient plot device in that this film does this but i find this this whole idea this force bridge thing where he's following her through the connection there and like snatching the necklace and then they go analyze it. it's not something as simple as like hey we threw a tracker on their ship or you know stormtrooper x called in and said that they're here and to me, that's even more convenient than what they're using here. They're developing the relationship of both Kylo Ren and Rey through a plot device that really excels it forward. Like he's following her around. And I love the scene when he's in her quarters and he has no idea where she is. And they're kind of just wandering around. And like you get the pieces, the physical pieces that are jumping through space and time, which is also awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but this, this whole scene here that sets up with Rey doing the flip we had, I had at least thought that this was some sort of vision or, or whatever, and that it actually wasn't Kylo Ren. But it's a great setup for, again, the capacity of Rey. And Kylo also walking away from this thing and wanting to... It's I love kind of these distant walks that Kylo does towards <laughs> her, kind of like dragging his lightsaber. Um, but do you, do you like kind of where they've gone with the dyad, with this force bridge that was established. Some people liked it. Some people didn't in The Last Jedi. They hinted at the idea that this whole physical exchange between the two of them could happen, touching the hands and the water as well. Mm-hmm. And so again, again, escalation on this. And we see this really well utilized, in my opinion, towards the end of the film with the lightsaber. But you buy in this idea that Kyle's snatching physical stuff off her neck and kind of using it as a plot device? 
yeah, I think it's kind of cool. It's it's not too bad. Again, for me, I feel like it is a little bit too convenient, but um, at the same time, it looks really good on screen and in this world of Star Wars, I guess it's a new way to push the Force powers. Um, yeah. One that I, I probably like more than the Force heal. So I'm down with it. Um, and it really serves well, like you mentioned, at the battle at the end with the lightsaber transferring over to yeah. uh, Kylo. I thought, was it to Kylo? Was it to Ray? Yeah, it was yeah, to it's Kylo. Kylo. That was dope. And that for me was shrug? like... Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll even thank Ryan Johnson to his face for that one. Man, that was that was cool for establishing that power and allowing JJ to use it in this film just yeah. for that scene. Really yeah. well used in this film. I think it was handily used and expertly used in this to push things. Yeah, it was the core of the film, really. Yeah. It was that they were linked as no two other Jedis have ever been mm-hmm. linked before. So, yeah, no, it, I, I, I dug it. I thought that yeah. was awesome. Yeah, agreed. I wasn't a huge fan of it in Last Jedi. But I loved it here. It also provided that space where they could have interaction, like personalized interaction. And this is where he eventually reveals that she's a Palpatine and kind of take my hand. And so outside of that, it's hard for them to have those more intimate moments because it's like like she wants to cut his head off. <laughs> They're not going to stand and talk. Like I, I like that that is a way that they establish the moments between them. And it's not a forced physical interaction where they're standing and or stop fighting and just then have a chat on the side. You know, he's not manipulating her in the sense where it's like, we're going to have this big battle. Wait a minute, you're a Palpatine. And then go at it again. It's kind of these softer moments that really push on her character development as well as his. You're revealing a lot in these moments. So I really can appreciate that. So we're on to, again, we're trying to to crack through this film here, guys. (laughs) We're on to MacGuffin number two. We're heading to Kajimi. I think this is a Jimmy Kimmel reference here. Oh, really? <laughs> um, yeah, I think named after him, you know, Jimmy and then Kimmel. Oh. That's kind of the way that the name put together here. And we're going to have the Sith text that's stuck in 3PO's head read by Babu Frick. My wife loved this little character. <laughs> and I decided I'm buying that EB Games exclusive with Babu Frick and C3PO here. Um, but it's kind of in this space here, it's another planet that we're going to. We're chasing something a little different. But what I love what they do here on Kajimi is they elaborate on Poe's backstory, mm-hmm. which is great. They make him a spice runner. We get Zori Bliss, who's an awesome character introduced here. And they really start to expand. They spend a lot of time. You know, we're there to read the Sith text, but this whole scene is about Poe Dameron mm-hmm. and expanding that character. Um, that's the character I want to see more of. Like through the film, I'm like, let's get me some Poe back on the screen. <laughs> um, I like when he's out of the cockpit. And I like yeah. when he's running around doing the Han Solo-esque type thing. Like, he's given a very similar backstory, it seems, to Han Solo. He has that same demeanor to him, that same confidence, the cockiness and all that. Mm-hmm. But uh, Kajimi, guys, what are, you, what are you thinking here? You know, this is another place where we see stormtroopers and we see what the Force Order is doing in the background here, the bad guys and all this. You know, why we're fighting, why we're the resistance and all that. Mm-hmm. So is this is this suitable for you guys? MacGuffin number two, we're getting to an end point. We get a lot of introduction of characters here. Some quieter moments with Poe. Yeah, I I dug it. I, I liked, again, you get a chance to take in the world a bit. And um, as a guy that watches way too many World War II documentaries, <laughs> like the watching the people under the siege of the First Order, like it, it, it really worked to me. Yeah. And it's one of the few times that you kind of get those glimpses as to what life is like under them. So that was cool. I, I liked all the Poe stuff. Uh, the the relationship with Zori Bliss, like yeah, the, she's a kick-ass character. Yeah, she she was cool. So, yeah, I I dug it. I nice. dug it. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, no, um, for me, the, the biggest takeaway from this whole thing was uh, Zuri Bliss. Yeah. I, I love that character. I love the design. I need that Black Series line to come out. Oh, Maybe yeah. even a hot toy, man, because she's <laughs> she's she was missing from this whole uh, trilogy. She should have yeah. been right there from part, uh, well, seven and eight. Like, mm-hmm. big fan of her. Um, the Poe thing I didn't care much for, just because this whole time with Poe, we've been um, told, basically, he's been a resistance guy. He's been, like, the good yeah. guy all the way. His, his Both of his parents fought in the Rebellion. Uh, we get that in Shattered what, Empire, yeah. I believe. So for them to kind of throw in this, I, I I get why they did it and I like what they did. I just wish they had that idea from the beginning <laughs> yeah. because uh, they, they tried really throwing it like, this is your Han Solo guy. And it's like, okay, yeah. I get it with the spice and whatnot. So it's fine for me. It's just, again, one of those things when you're reading the books and you're reading the comics and even if you're watching the cartoons and then you get this kind of thrown in there, I'm kind of like, well, you guys didn't really know what you're doing in the first place. But, no. <laughs> you know, but it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it takes enough time to give you that scope in a Poe Dameron because mm-hmm. I find that even through most of these films, you don't, yeah, you get that idea. He's the, the greatest pilot, but, you know, give him a little bit more on that. Yeah. Like, he can't just be this amazing pilot all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, taking him out of the cockpit yeah. really works for me and having him running around on the ground. I think at the end battle when he's stuck back in the cockpit yeah. i don't find him as effective in the film right mm-hmm. like he doesn't have as big of an impact on the ending of this film as he does in the first two acts yeah um he's kind of non-present in a sense where he's basically flying around and you know giving directions and all that but i like him better out and mm-hmm. this here this scene it gives you a lot to chew on with poe dameron yeah. and i agree with you from shadowed empire in the comics and that they really push on the idea that he's like resistance or rebellion yeah. from the start um, but maybe in his teenage years he dipped yeah, a little yeah, sideways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Poe gone wild. Exactly. <laughs> um, now C-3PO here. We're meant to think that this is the send-off for the character. That this is it. There's a drop line there that R2 does have his memory stored, you know, in backup and all that. But uh, him going all Sith text on us and, and reading it out loud. Um, again, giving C-3PO a pretty crucial piece in the as we're pivoting towards you know, midway through the second act here and getting towards the third act and kind of the crux of the whole first MacGuffin chasing here. Um, Babu Frick, C-3PO, is this, does this work for you using C-3PO as a tool for the narrative, for the driving of the plot forward, as opposed to just, say, taking it to Babu Frick and he just reads it out? <laughs> <laughs> I would rather they just had uh, Babu Frick. Yeah. Is it? I would rather just had him read it out because they put this importance... Uh, first of all, even in the I trailer. Guess, sorry, I guess they yeah. didn't have the dagger at that point. It was only because it was stuck in 3PO's head because the first order had oh, taken it away. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I guess I understand what they did there. Yeah. So, so you know, him translating it and then having to go through Babu Frick to pull it out yeah. from his, his memory. And that was fine. Um, it was the whole swipe of the memory thing. Yeah. Uh, for, for a couple of reasons. Like, one, even in the trailer, we saw it where he's like, you know, I'm taking one last moment to look at my friends. I know a lot of people love that. And that's, that's cool. That's totally cool. But let's be real. Like, he's spent not that much time with these people in the table it's not like it's obi-wan or leia or yeah. lando even in the room at that point is lando there no no you know r2's I mean? not even there r2 thank you r2's <laughs> not even there so that would have hit me a bit more take that away whatever okay it's a little bit of an emotional moment but then you go back and you restore everything and he's yeah. like his, his memory is never more because this would be the second time his memory's been wiped right yeah. going after a return of, or revenge of the sith yeah. and then now here but at least between revenge and episode four they stuck to it like it's been uh uh, swiped or wiped so i guess i was just kind of like oh like we're doubling down too much like we thought chewie was dead but then they brought him back we thought c3po in a sense was dead yeah but they just restored him back we thought kylo ren was dead then (laughs) he was back then he's dead we thought ray was dead and then he was back this is too much of like we're yeah we're we're killing someone and we're bringing them back 
too fast. Yeah. So. It's about the commitment to the story and commitment to the arc that the characters are going on. Um, I understand some of the ideas behind Kylo and Rey in that, mm-hmm. but this is one, and even Chewie, mm-hmm. as much as I don't want to see that character exited, yeah. I think to give some stakes to the film, yeah. Yeah. one of those two, or La- I thought Lando was another one that was primed for plucking. And yeah, Leia dies in the film, mm-hmm. but it's not it doesn't have that same impact as a character dying before their time. Like Leia seemed like she was kind of being guided out of the film in some capacity. She was given that master tag and all yeah. this, but she was slowly being moved out. And you know, for the right reasons, yeah. I think they're giving her kind of more of a, um, a subtle send off in the arc as opposed to more of a, an explosive. And, but like, should we dying there? See three PO just losing his mind and yeah. starting from scratch. Yeah. I, I could have bought into that a bit more. Do you think that there's too much of this, yes no yes no type thing or are you okay with kind of them just walking back on some of this and it's not like it's a it's a it's an immediate walk back yeah. in some capacity yeah yeah i the bait and switch i didn't mind it for with kylo and ray it totally yeah. made sense mm-hmm. yeah percent. but when they did it with both chewy and 3po yeah and like chewy is one of my favorites but yeah. when they you know they make a big deal of him dying he ends up showing up right away again. Yeah. And then the other thing too, is that Ray transitioned really quick from being mortified at her yeah. actions, killed Chewbacca yeah. to kind of being okay with it. Like she, she seemed to be herself again yeah. or yeah. yeah. Or at least that's the sense I got. Yeah. So. No, I got that too. Yeah. yeah. Well, and she was used, I think for two of the more emotional moments in the film, you've got this, which to me, I was like, Whoa, they went there. No way. <laughs> and then there's a scene when he comes back and he freaks out when, when Leia, when he finds out Leia passed, yeah. to me that's probably uh, the way I felt. That was the most emotional moment in the film. Yeah, I'm like, right there with that you. Dra- yeah. I was like, oh my god, he's on the ground. Like, yeah, yeah I, when he's like, and I was like, whoa, like that is intense. So yeah. that emotional pull doesn't work without Chewie, mm-hmm. and I think him coming back it suits the plot enough because it's again, it's used as another device. It's Ray senses him on the ship with the knife, and then they end up on the ship, and so it's kind of using these things to kind of ping them around a little bit and it drives them in certain directions. Maybe she could have derived that. Yeah. The knife is out there. I can sense it type thing without Chewbacca, but you're right. Carlos and hang on the point that she does recover from that pretty quick. Yeah. Um, someone that is basically one of the ones that's responsible for getting her off Jakku that she yeah. spent a lot of time with, yeah. like kills them. And then, you know, there's a couple of drop lines. It's, it's okay. It's not your fault type thing. But I think that it plays better into her degradation and eventual self-exile if Chewie stays dead. Yeah. 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 I don't know. That's a, that's a tough one. <laughs> I don't want to see the character die, but yeah. Even just as a member of the audience, if they had showed, if they hadn't tried to convince the audience that Chewbacca was dead yeah. and then done the same thing with C-3PO and his memories right away. Like if, if we as the audience knew that right away, like he wasn't on that shuttle. Yeah, that they saw him cart him off and then the yeah. shuttle takes off and then you know it's not happening. Yeah. On it, right? yeah. yeah, you yeah. might you might forgive it a bit more. Yeah. Yeah, it just when you do it twice. Yeah. 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 Back and forth. And yeah. then it's really kind of a pivot point at the end of the film, which I agree it needs to be there. Um, but I think it's just a bit too much back and forth yeah. at times here. Now it's again the kind of the leap off from Kajimi, we've got Kylo Ren's ship. Um, they followed them here because they knew where they were going, kind of chasing after Babu Frick and that. And we get another one of these dyad scenes where Ray's gone up there. They've gone up there to rescue Chewbacca at this point. The whole crew ends up using, again, this another convenience thing, the captain's ship mm-hmm. um, that seemed to 
a little convenient with Zori Bliss kind of like, I have this thing that gets you everywhere. Yeah. Um, and here, just have it, even though yeah. I was about to kill you. Yeah, I was going to kill yeah. you. You've, you know, there's clearly a past here that needs to be explored. Or I'd yeah. like to be explored in comic books, actually. Yeah. Um, but that was just kind of a little bit of that kind of convenience I was talking about at the start where it's just so happened to get on. It's not about codes like in Return of the Jedi. Um, it's just kind of this blunt object that's used to say, hey, let's get up there. But it does, in essence, it facilitates where we need to get. And I think that's, you know, as we're walking through this, I'm zooming back a little bit and I'm seeing that the facilitation of the narrative, because there's so much to get through, you need these conveniences at times. And I know you call me a hypocrite. I've criticized other films for it, um, but I'm okay to give this one a, a slight break from time to time and just say, let's move the plot forward and let's use this. We'll just go with it. It's Star Wars. We have all sorts of tools we can use. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, but once we're on the ship here, this is where we get a couple of new revelations. And we have this really intimate moment between Rey and Kylo Ren. Well, Rey is in his quarters. We've got the Vader helmet there. And this is when we get the flashback of her parents being killed by this Sith hunter or whatever you want to call it here. So let's, let's jump into this. This is also, I guess, the point where Kylo Ren reveals to her that she is a Palpatine, that her parents were nobodies, but her grandfather is a somebody. <laughs> um, this year, Kylo had been teasing this in their last conversation that I'll talk to you soon. I'll let you know a bit more who you are because he's had this discussion with Palpatine. Now, Troy. Yeah, man. I got to hear this. Now that we yes, have sir. this big reveal on the table, um, in this moment, we're right next to Vader's head here and or mask i should say not head <laughs> his, his skull is probably in there though um how are you feeling about the revelation that ray is in fact a palpatine <laughs> this should be good it's it's messy it's extremely messy i don't hate the idea of it it's just very messy for what we're doing with the third well the final uh film in this trilogy we were now introduced to the fact that she's not only um related to Palpatine, but she's the granddaughter. So now you got to ask yourself, okay, so Palpatine got busy at some point and had a kid somewhere along the lines, uh, raised, I don't know what, 25 maybe? Early, yeah. early 20s. So you, you have to imagine at some point when Palpatine was running the galaxy with Vader that he had a kid, maybe even earlier. Uh, it, it's Everything's kind of messy. I don't know why you would do that. I wouldn't, I don't know why you just wouldn't make her even that much closer to even just being a daughter. I know he's really old, but yeah. to have another generation in between the two of them, it's really weird. Yeah. I, I find um, it's messy, man. And it opens up a bit more questions to like, okay, what, what was Palpatine also doing while he's running the Galactic Empire? Yeah. yeah I, I can't say... I like the approach or the execution of it. I don't yeah. mind that she's related to Palpatine. Because it's cool. Because when you look back to even um, Last Jedi... Uh, when she's training, there's there's stuff that she does, and it's it's very Palpatine like. Yeah. The fighting in the forest. The, the fighting in the forest. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the jabs. Even though I mean, just because you're related yeah. to Kobe <laughs> doesn't mean you're gonna have Kobe Bryant's form when you play basketball. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it is what it is. I'll, I'll I'll take it. It's it's better than her being a nobody. A thousand percent, it is. So it it doesn't kill me. I was just like, oh, like we're going grandchild and not just child, mm -hmm. you know, but. Yeah. yeah. Do you got any theories on this one? Like, are, are you feeling this again, coming at it from not the immersed individual, the way that Troy and I are <laughs> into fandom? Like, is it, was this too much of a leap for you that she is a Palpatine after we were told in the last Jedi that she was a nobody? No, I dug it. Like it, it, it made, 
yeah, it, it was totally cool. And I liked that she came from somewhere like I, because it spoke to why she was so sought after and why she was so coveted in mm. this movie, right? By Palpatine. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't know. I guess like if he, if he had kids when he was like Senator guy from Naboo, right? Uh, unlimited power, right? So Man, this guy has that much power and he's like taking this vow of abstinence. I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. But okay. But going into this, uh, not to cut you off, but going into that then. So you've had this child this whole time throughout this whole nine trilogy films and we've never once heard of this child. Oh, he had no totally. That's really weird. Yeah. Yeah, and then totally. he's just dismissed this kid, his son. And now he's interested in the granddaughter. Like, you can't tell me if you're a Palpatine and you've been obsessed with this boy from Tatooine, like Anakin, but you produced your own child at the same time, you wouldn't just put all your efforts into that kid to be the next big dad instead of chasing Anakin because you're doing it with your granddaughter. Like, it just opens up so many doors that you got to now answer somewhere in the books because it's not going to be on film. Yeah. So so let me throw this one out there. I I also dig the the Palpatine reveal because as much as The Last Jedi points us out that it doesn't matter where you come from, like the ages don't matter. For sure. And maybe that works a bit better at the end of this film. Like if you're to say, let's do away with the Palpatine and Skywalker lineages, Mm -hmm. but they're so inherently tied together throughout the entire nine films. And again, we're looking in hindsight, maybe a bit of retconning into The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi here. But that lineages matter. Basically, we were at the end of this, and we've got you know the, the descendant of Skywalker and the descendant of Palpatine that are two sides of the same coin. And what the confusing part to me was again, I agree with you, Troy, that why didn't we see this kid before? But who's to say? Like, let's assume that again, this is kind of big force talk and all yeah. this that the Palpatine lineage maybe maybe it's not his son. Maybe they're surrogates for this maybe you know how he's kind of messed around with creating life Mm -hmm. maybe the the whole virgin mary thing you know he's created a life that was born to these people Mm -hmm. and because the dismissal of his son his lineage Mm -hmm. right like we focus a lot on lineage here but we skip a generation for some reason you know is that because they're the dark side like because he's still alive there's no need to match or maybe when the kid's born this idea of the light rises or the dark rises to meet the opposite. You know, does that lineage skip a generation because there's no dark side or no need for that individual because Palpatine's still kicking around? Has he just created Rey in some capacity and just calling her granddaughter? Because I haven't seen it twice. You have. Does he ever refer to the father as his son? Or does he just say his her, your descendant or your granddaughter Palpatine. That's something that I didn't catch, and I don't know if he refers to him as his son, like my son's child or whatever. Yeah, I don't know if they necessarily. I mean, they definitely imply like it's his son, but I don't know if they. Yeah. Oh, they do hammer out that it's his son. Yeah, they like do make it very clear that it's his son, and then yeah. and raise. I think even raise like you killed my mother. Yeah, and my father. Yeah, which yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think I agree with you. There's a little bit missing there. I'm okay to make the leap that she's a Palpatine because I think the story needs that. Yeah. um, To highlight her importance. If you're going back to the idea of lineage and that goes, all of George stuff is about lineage. It's about really one family. For for sure. But the thing is, that's that's what I'm saying where it gets messy. Yeah, I agree. Because, you know, when you, you look at the other six films, it's all pretty much explained. Like, we get it. Yeah, we, we don't know who Anakin's dad is, but they set that rule already that he had no dad. So yeah. we, we, we skip that and we get it. But now when you're ending the whole Skywalker, uh, I don't know, saga, saga? If, you, yeah. if you even want to say that, um, 
you, you've now opened up this old this other Pandora's box and it's like, okay, yeah. so how did Palpatine come back? And where was Palpatine's kid? And they had this kid along the way. Like, there's a lot of questions yeah. now that have just been. It's opened. one of the bigger leaps you have to make in the film. Yeah, but I just don't think you do that when you're ending a saga, mm -hmm. basically. But and this goes to maybe maybe it's better executed with the idea that you had from long time that she's a clone, that she's actually yeah yeah like that's, that's a, it's a it's a fun little theory but mm -hmm. i mean like, like like i said like i'm not a writer by any means so like that could even, that could get messier that can yeah. even be worse i'm just saying if you're going to introduce the idea that it is connected to to uh palpatine in this film then you, you gotta like you gotta clear that a little bit gotta more earn it a bit more yeah, yeah. and yeah. i just kind of figured that not everybody in a family would have the force yeah. kind of thing right so if it skipped his son he wouldn't be bothered about the son but then when he learns yeah. about the daughter and then I just kind of looked at him as like a Genghis Khan kind of guy, right? Like you look at how many children share that guy's yeah. DNA. But, but when you look at Palpatine, Palpatine's yeah. the strongest Sith Lord that's ever been known. So for, for his power to skip, that's like Anakin's power skipping Luke and Leia. Yeah, you know no, I... Mean? So, but yeah. like, if it was like Qui-Gon and, and Qui-Gon's next kid didn't get it, but the granddaughter, I'm like, all right, that's cool. Yeah. This is this is Palpatine. This, this is the guy that's cheated death, supposedly. But I think there's like some headcanon there that you can work into this. Again, it's headcanon, but... Yeah. You know, the twins come out of the, the rule of two, right? You have Vader and, and the Sith, and born out of that are the twins to match that, the light meeting the dark. In the absence of the need for dark, mm -hmm. let's say, you know, that and Palpatine's around or Vader's kicking around when that son is born. Yeah. That son, maybe it skips because there's no, the Force doesn't need that balance. And this goes to our discussion last week about the constant need for balance. And balance is achieved two ways. Mm -hmm. Either each side is getting more or both sides are gone. I know, and I used to fall into that too, but then when you look at it, it's, it doesn't even make sense. Like, the, the whole balance thing doesn't make any sense because you look at this whole time when you watch the original trilogy, we believe that there's only Luke, only Luke and Obi-Wan, and then there's there's Vader, and then we find out later that there's Palpatine. But then we also now know there's there's Cal that's been hanging around this whole yeah. time from the video game. There's Ezra, there's Kanan, there's Ahsoka, um, there's Yoda was Jason, uh, which is Hera and Kanan. Yeah. Like, so for me, this whole balance thing is just kind of like... Like, but what is it really? Because but I think there's all these other what... Jedi still hanging around when there's two Sith Lords. Well, I agree. But I think that's that maybe goes to the idea of how powerful the Sith Lords are oh, relative okay. to the Jedi. And it speaks to the idea of why you continuously have this cycling of everything is that right. the Jedi keep going up. Yeah. And then you've got Palpatine, who is this immensely powered individual mm -hmm. to match, you know, thousands of Jedi. Right. And then the collapse of the Jedi and the rise of the Sith eventually leads to the rise of... Uh, which th these remaining Jedi, mm -hmm. which are kind of the, the I guess would be your your reaction to the rise of the, the previous the darkness right. that has all been wiped out. Right. And so it's like the cyclical nature. But the problem with balance is mm -hmm. that you can't have all Jedi. Right. It no, doesn't of work. Not. Of it's course. not balanced. And yeah. that's why you end up with the dark coming up to meet that. Yeah. That's why you end up with Emperor Palpatine either continuing and maybe Kylo Ren skewing a bit towards that side is that the force is kind of using individuals mm -hmm. and maybe the higher power set individuals to, to compensate for the cyclical nature of the force and trying to balance itself. Like the idea that you just wipe everything out and yeah. there's your balance. Yeah. Boom. There you go. And you have force sensitive individuals. It's heavily implied that Finn is force sensitive. Moss, Moss herself. Yeah. Moss yeah. herself in this capacity. But is it that same powered nature right you might have some guys that are force sensitive that just use it to you know win casino games <laughs> i don't know you know what i mean like yeah. on the same level yeah. like finn uses a little bit to like he senses ray you know right, maybe some right. guy senses when the queen's coming up i don't know right. <laughs> so it's i think it's a debate that it's is really great to have yeah. and it seeds a lot of questions and 
I agree with you. As far as a as a narrative plot point, mm-hmm. it is a bit confusing. Mm-hmm. But I can work through this in my head. And you know, I'm a, I, I love reading the extended stuff. Yeah. And if we get a Palpatine book that mm. explains all this, yeah. again, you don't need shouldn't need supplemental material. But it's fun. This is what Star Wars is a good chunk of it about. Yeah. Um, like I wouldn't go back and say that any of the Star Wars films have masterfully pulled off some elements that are buried within it. It's just some leaps you have to make. But agreed, in the film, this is one of the larger, if not the largest leap mm-hmm. that you're asked to make without too much exposition and without too much explanation. Again, going from The Force Awakens, though, yeah, you look at the way that Han, and we've talked about this endlessly, the way that Han looks at her, the yeah. way that Kylo's running around asking yeah. about the Maz. girl, Maz, all this. Yeah. There seems to be some underlying thread there that was just left in The Last Jedi, and it's picked up abruptly in this. Definitely, yeah. If you had the seed a bit more strung through The Last Jedi, yeah. this leap wouldn't be required. Definitely. I think. But again, this goes to what we talked about at the top, is that overall holistic vision of Rey was a Palpatine from the beginning. I don't think that was the case. Yeah. Um, you could argue at one point, she, maybe she was a Skywalker. At one point, <laughs> well, she was nobody, and now she's a Palpatine. Yeah, so that's true. I think that this ebbing and flowing of who Rey is in this question, I don't know if they answered it ever really like they answer it here definitively yeah but i don't know if they knew this answer before jj abrams came back onto this in 2017 well it goes to your point right because colin trevorrow came out yeah yeah because somebody called him out or attributed a script to him yeah and he said well no respectfully i didn't write that and quite frankly the version of the script that i wrote palpatine was never in it in any capacity so (laughs) that this didn't happen until jj came on yeah and then um interestingly enough though he still has a writer credit on the movie yeah they gave them yeah. whether it was some lingering elements of say finn and poe or yeah. whatever they were chasing the sith dagger maybe came from him yeah um him and Derek connelly both get writer credits on this yeah, yeah. well because um, and didn't one of his uh ships or something or is one of his droids make it to uh, galaxy's edge i think one of tomorrow's designs oh maybe ended up on galaxy not that that has anything to do with skywalker or rise of skywalker but yeah yeah it's like it, it's uh, like this to me it's going to be fantastic seeds for debate across you know bars across whatever yeah and i love that stuff i think we can all agree at least if they do a book on palpatine and they you know they go over the whole origin of who ray is you either got to give it to claudia gray or you give it to charles soul one of those two what about what's his name that wrote um charles that wrote uh what do you call it? What is the Sith? Paul S. Kemp. Yeah. Oh yeah, give it to me. Yeah. For sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so one of the things that happens here that I think is a, a bit of a fallout from The Last Jedi is the mole. This whole idea. So we've got, as this is all happening with Rey and the reveal and all that, we've got Finn, Poe, and Chewbacca running around the ship. Some pretty hard-hitting action here. Like the Stormtroopers, when they're getting shot, like they're blowing holes in their armor. Yeah. That's the first time we're really seeing that and like in a major way, which I really appreciate here. And we're kind of running through the halls in this and the, the Star Destroyer and that. But this idea that Hux is the mole, like I said, he was really relegated to being a cartoon character, in my yeah. opinion, in The Last Jedi. Yeah. He went from this like Nazi type of, you know, post-World War II. And again, J.J. Abrams and that. And, and, and uh, what's his name? Uh, not Trevorrow. Uh, oh, Terrio. Terrio based the Force Order or First Order on Nazis that had fled to Argentina and kind of were re- regrouping there. Uh, that's what they based the First Order on. So you have this guy who's spitting fury in the Force Awakens, yeah. and then he's a, a punchline in the Last Jedi. And here, this is one of the things 
un, to me, not believable that he's the mole. <laughs> I struggle with this one a bit. Yeah. And he kind of just turns and says, I just want Kylo to fail, which I buy, but would he want Kylo to fail at the cost of the First Order failing as well? Which he seems like you go back to Aftermath and that, like he's brought up in the ashes of the Empire. Like yeah, his, his father, father. Yeah. was kind of one of the remnants of the empire and he was kind of like that last core as at least part of the leadership that fell out of return of the jedi yeah and we're running the empire in the background and you have this kid that was brought up there and all this but to me it's just a way to get rid of the character yeah <laughs> <laughs> like it's he's just used and then you've got this is why you bring in um grant there uh what's his uh, name richard grant richard, richard grant. E. grant yeah you bring him in to be that Tarkin level of yeah. character yeah. that carries himself. Like I can't look at Hux and see anything but a goofball. Yeah. But the way that Richard E. Grant carries himself, <clears throat> this uh, uh, Allegiant General Pride, I, I really like the character in there. Like he speaks to me as like, yeah, this is a first order officer who knows what's up. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so the reveal of the mole and the Hux's kind of dismissal from the film, from the franchise even, uh, quite abruptly done. He doesn't get really anything to do in this film, which is kind of a shame because I think coming out of the, the Force Awakens, you could have done a bit more with this character. He could have been maybe not so much your big bad, yeah. but at least someone that's has a bit of more of an antagonistic relationship with Kylo Ren and is pushing on Kylo Ren from this end as well, from the yeah. first order where you find that Kylo Ren's kind of in the middle, right? He's yeah. chasing these relics and these artifacts and all this crazy stuff. And these guys are more of the military. Let's just, you know, do what we've done. Mm -hmm. And you kind of see that, that juxtapose against Kylo. But what are you, what are you feeling about Hux here? Uh, you know, it's actually kind of unfortunate. Um, it's, again, kind of a bit of the Poe situation, whereas you look at the comic materials and the books, the Phasma book, this guy is a pretty bad dude. Yeah. And then you also mentioned the books, uh, the aftermath of his yeah. father and whatnot. So canon outside of the film, this guy's actually something to deal with. But here, um, I felt like J.J. was left with no other option no, to right. um, make this character a lot more like The Last Jedi. So I felt like he mm -hmm. made... Um, Hux, The Last Jedi Hux, and yeah. not The Force Awakens, which I was a big fan of The Force Awakens Hux. I thought that guy was actually something else. But, um, and, and Donald Gleason's an incredible yeah. actor, by the way, too. But, um, yeah, here, um, yeah, making the continuity of this character much like the one from Last Jedi is pretty believable, at least for me, that he would be the mole, because I found him to be kind of snaky, yeah. and he really didn't like Kylo so Ren pale. whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's no sun on uh, Hothian Prime, I guess. Yeah. So, um, or not Hothian, but Starkiller Base. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a snow planet. Um, so yeah, for me, it actually worked. I was like, I'm, I'm not saying I like it, but I was like, okay, it's, it's probably him. He's probably the mole. So See? I wasn't really too surprised did, did i thought it was the, the allegiant new, general pride the new one eh? i thought he was yeah. the mole because there's a couple times he gives a couple sideways looks and i'm like yeah. damn he's the mole okay yeah. yeah but it turns out the sideways looks were because he had some allegiance to the emperor right. and he knew yeah. what was up with that yeah um did you grasp on that he was the mole right away Hux? Yeah. No, I didn't see it no but it worked because yeah, yeah he was relegated to being a joke like right off the bat yeah. in The Last Jedi, yeah. right? Opening scene. Yeah. So they took any Regency away from him because mm -hmm. they had a cool dynamic in The Force Awakens where yeah. it's like, who's actually in charge? Yes. Is it Kylo or is it Hux? Yeah. And they just chopped that off at the knees yeah. in the second movie. So it's, yeah, it, why not? And I did buy that he hated Kylo oh, Ren yeah, so much sure. yeah. that he's like, you know what? I don't care about anything. I just want to see this guy fail. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and he was selfish enough character that it yeah. made sense, but yeah. well, and unfortunately yeah. too, in the, at the start of this, when he's at the table with them, he takes any sort of conflict away from it because 
Kylo asks, like, what do you think about my mask? And he's just like, it's great. You know what I mean? Like, he just, like, bows to him almost, right? Yeah. yeah. And so it takes away that the antagonism between the two of them that I agree that you saw in The Force Awakens. It was great. Because they're chirping each other back and forth. Like, do you want me to bring back the clones? No, yeah. my army is way better because right. they're trained from birth type thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an unfortunate dynamic that we lost. Yeah. Um, out of the last Jedi here. <laughs> um, so as we continue to press forward in the film here, we're going back to Endor. So the C-3PO, the, the writing, the Sith text reveals that we need to go to, it's actually not Endor, it's a, I guess another moon of Endor, a water planet, a water moon of Endor, um, where the second Death Star had crashed. So mm-hmm. we knew this was coming, heading back really to the scene of the crime, Return of the Jedi. I love the idea of going back to the Death Star. Yeah, man. And the landscape they use here when they're inside of the Death Star, the the way, like, oh, man, is that cool. Yeah. Um, and then we've got, this is where we kind of get introduced to Janna and the whole idea that we talked about a bit earlier with them being kind of the stormtroopers that laid down their arms and rebelled against a, a certain place. A very similar fashion that Finn did. You know, mm-hmm. he refused to execute civilians. Um, and so we're starting to build our army here in the background. But the whole point of going back here is this is where Siths or Siths, I should say Sidious's Wayfinder is on the second Death Star in the throne room. Um, a bit more convenience here that you line up the dagger. It's to me like I'm looking at those ways and like that that Death Star would definitely be moving. In this There's no way. Um, but I can look past stuff like like yeah. it's that was another I think slightly contrived, a bit convenient plot point but it's like For let's sure. just move this narrative ahead yeah you could have had her just show up in the throne room type thing maybe use it as a key yeah type thing yeah. but i'm buying here because it gets us to the death star and this is to me you know we haven't talked about the score much here i found mm. that throughout this it's moving so fast that i didn't get a real chance to listen to the score but there's a few moments in here i believe it's here and towards the end where they bring in the theme from the the return of the jedi where he's in the throne room i don't know if it's the emperor's theme or what it is really slow mm-hmm. and her just walking through the history there it, it that blew my brain apart then being in the throne room yeah. and then this is where we also get the dark vision yeah yeah so did you going back to the second death star Damn it. going back to where palpatine died or died in air quotes we'll say <laughs> Uh, does it make sense to you that this is kind of where we're all leading to getting this this wayfinder from the second Death Star, and that's used as kind of this pivotal point where Ray really changes here a bit, where she decides she's going one direction. She now knows she's a Palpatine. There's this big conflict, amazing lightsaber battle here, mm. but running into Endor here, running into this revisiting the legacy of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about all this here? Um, you know, I I liked um seeing her climbing through the Death Star, the ruins of the Death Star. It reminds me a lot of the first time we see Rey in yeah. Force Awakens going through the Super Star Destroyer, which I thought was so cool. Um, you know, I got to say the Rey vision thing was kind of a throwaway. It was like what we see of that vision was not much longer than what we saw in the teaser. <laughs> it was yeah. very short. Sure. Like the GIF that I saw online was almost as long as what we got in the movie. Uh, a, a big pet peeve of mine, and this is just me, is when I see bad guys or bad girls hissing at their enemies. I, I don't know what it is, but it take, unless you're a cat it's woman. A particular thing. <laughs> it is, right? It's, it's, a, it's a weird thing that I see. And unless you're a cat woman, I just, I don't think you have any business doing it. Um, but yeah, man, it's a little bit of a throwaway that scene. Uh, the battle though, are we talking about the battle? The, yeah, uh, the sure. lightsaber battle? Well, let's, let's just share your thoughts before we get into the battle cool. here on the throne room and the dark vision, really. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was cool. Like I, I dug that they went back to Endor, and I guess if you're gonna have the Emperor's Wayfinder anywhere, yeah, it makes sense that it that's where it'd be, right? The last place that we saw him. So, yeah, it it worked for me. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that you totally needed it, but just as a a prelude to the lightsaber battle. Yeah, totally. It's great, and I think it establishes to me the history and the legacy of what we're going through. You know, the conclusion, the Return of the Jedi, where the concluding film here. And I like kind of going back to this scene of the crime where Palpatine died. And it's a nice kickoff point for what we get later on um, in the battle, as well as, like I said, the, the idea of the legacy of it. It's, mm-hmm. it's I think the landscape of it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this crushed throne room. You know, there's a lot that happened here. Yeah. Um, 30 some odd years ago, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, it's really great. And the dark vision for me, this is what pushes her over the edge, right? She sees this and she's like, yeah, I got to get the hell out of here. There's something wrong with me. Um, but it's no different than like Luke, right? In Empire Strikes Back, when he sees the vision in the cave with his little chopping Vader's head off. Yeah. That's Luke. It's kind of this like, whoa, that's like a vision into my future if I go down a specific path. Yeah. And Ray, which is kind of a nice pickup from The Last Jedi, Ray runs away from that in the same fashion that, that Luke does. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is interesting. We're going to get to in a few minutes here. But Troy, I got to let you talk about yeah. this lightsaber battle. You came for the battles. Oh, you want me to talk about this yes. thing? You guys sure you want me to talk about this thing? All right, I'll talk about it. <laughs> Um, flexed a little bit there. <laughs> like, yeah. The lightsaber battle, um, listen, looked great, and I, I got a little bit of point break going on, you know, with the water or color. And he kind of <laughs> looks a little bit like a Keanu Reeves going on there. But the lightsaber battle, yeah, I need those. I've been missing those throughout this whole um, sequel trilogy, and I appreciate it. And they looked great, and the choreography was great. Two things lacking for me though, and I hate to be this person. Um, the score didn't hit me that well. Mm. Not only just in this movie, but that scene in particular. You know, people can say what they want about the prequel trilogy. The score mm. going toe to toe with the battles, it does something. Yeah. Man, it oh, elevates yeah. the battles to another level, along with the choreography. The passion too be- between Kylo Ren and Rey, I didn't quite feel it. Um, blade to blade in the last no sorry blade to blade in force awakens when those two are like you know going at each other grinding down the lightsabers i could feel something there the tension was there and it is like raw and it's great but here it almost felt kind of wooden when they're going at it and it looked great hands down the battle looked great but between the two of them it just felt kind of wooden and they're just kind of going through the motions Mm -hmm. and i felt maybe if i got some music to take it along the way it would have elevated it to that level but due to the music being a little low and i could almost i it's, it's I can't remember completely, but I almost feel like I could hear like the water and everything else taking over more so than the actual score itself for that scene. So yeah. you're looking for a duel of fates type of thing in that. Oh, uh, d- yeah. well, duel of fates or or Anakin and Obi Wan at the end, or, yeah. or 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 Vader and Luke and we turn the Jedi because yeah. again there was like that passion there. or Empire basically <laughs> pretty much every other lightsaber <laughs> battle we've we've had. You go to Dave Filoni's Twilight Apprentice of Ahsoka oh, and yeah. Anakin That's good stuff. Vader. It is untouchable, and I, I felt like we could have got something mm. like that here in this scene yeah all around it's a great looking battle though it's fantastic looking battle and i'll throw this out there for carves to chew on a little bit what if you know the woodness and the passion you're seeing there is ray trying to kill him and him not trying to do anything Mm. like him basically defending himself to the point where he's not like you go back to the woods they're both trying to kill each other yeah here i didn't get that same sense from him Mm -hmm. yeah you know he's basically pursuing her but not in the same sort of or with the same sort of regression that he did in the forest like this to me you look at some of the positions in that a lot of defensive there like he's swinging but i don't know if he's swinging to kill at least that's what i'm taking away from mm-hmm. him yeah to be honest like this is my favorite part of the entire movie and it was for the character beats right so yeah. it kind of sets up for everything leading up to the force heal and the 
kind of fundamental change with the two of them uh, because he comes to her and he wants, he tells her that he wants to come back and he wants to embrace the light and being Leia's son, but he can't because he feels that that door is closed for him. He's a, a bridge too far type of thing. And so, yeah, at the beginning of that battle, he actually doesn't ignite his lightsaber for the longest time to the point yeah. that the first time I saw it, I thought that this was another Crete scene where he's oh. a projection. Okay. Oh, and yeah. Because this is in the throne room that he doesn't like. Yeah. He's just dodging. Yeah, he's yeah, dodging, he's, it. he's dodging for the longest time. So and so cool. I was like, oh, is he actually there then? Because they've established that in episode eight. And then, yeah, he sparks up and whatnot. And then there's a couple of times where he seems to get the better of her but he doesn't go in for the kill. Um, I did. I love that they showed Ray getting fatigue and how she'd change her, her grip on her lightsaber. Mm-hmm, she was cool. go overhand with the right hand to underhand with the left hand to just, you know, get those muscles back and whatnot. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. And then, yeah, I don't know if we're going right to the end right now or if you want to weigh in yeah, on man. the battle. Like, yeah. well, no, it's, I, yeah. I agree. I love the look of the battle. We yeah. got the big flips. It's such a dynamic environment too that they're fighting on. With the waves and all that, yeah, it like looks it, great. it looks really, really good. I agree with you on the score, though. The score didn't, and maybe this is just because, like I said, there's so much going on. Yeah. The score just didn't touch me in the same way that it does in a usual Star Wars film, with yeah. the exception of the two scenes where they go kind of into that deep emperor type of um, the, the, his theme almost. Yeah. But here, I agree with you. Like I can't, I couldn't tell you a point in the film where I'm like, was like step back and like it was enhanced by the yeah. score. That might be a second viewing thing because I'm trying to consume so much of what's on screen. Right. Um, but I like your point there too, and, and it kind of extends a little bit of there on what I was saying that, yeah, he's really in defensive mode. Like he wants to talk, and she wants to kill him, yeah. which is a nice flip, yes. right? Yeah. Where you're seeing the aggression, the anger, and all that, the fear almost in her, and him being like, I, I kind of want to, and it ends with him, her killing him. Yeah, yeah. You know, he gives like there's a little bit of an opening when Leia dies, and she takes that, and that's not the Ray protagonist that they've been projecting throughout this whole film. Like, I never believed that she was going to take the swipe to kill him. Right. But she did. Mm-hmm. Like, she killed the character, and then she regrets it and heals him. Um, but this is all set off by Leia. And in the background here, we've got Leia's death happening, too, all at the same time of the sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you had a theory here that you said at the top about kind of Kylo Ren's death, Leia's death, and how that played together. Am I right that this is the scene you're thinking of? Yeah. Yeah. I think we, we've been talking for a while now, <laughs> like not counting the, the prelude uh, before the mics went on. But yeah, like I, I actually didn't view Kylo Ren as having a redemption arc mm-hmm. so much as it was a forgiveness arc. Yeah. Right. So I he like was that. he was totally far gone and he didn't see a way for him to come back. And Leia sacrifices herself to open the door for him. Agreed. I, that's the way I yeah. took it too. Yeah. To, to come back and that, you know, no matter what you've done we still love you and you're still, you still have value and we'll bring you back. And then with that, that's why he doesn't kill Ray. She kills him and she realizes that she's now violated everything that she's been going, growing to and everything she's been aspiring to. And then you get the force heal, which is why I liked it so much and why I didn't mind that they did it with the snake to kind of, yeah, for sure, you know, to give you a bit of a insight into it and take away that, oh, she can do anything whenever she wants, mm. right? It's like, well, we've established that this is a thing. So um, I, I loved it. Like yeah. that, that was my favorite part of the whole movie. Like even like lightsaber visuals, which were awesome aside, like I just love the character yeah. moments with that and how Leia, 
Leia was really the savior of the movie in that she sacrificed herself. And then Palpatine talks about it later mm. where he's like, oh, the princess of Alderaan has derailed my plans yeah. because he didn't see her basically bringing them both together. together. So, so what did Leia do exactly though? Like, well, like, can you explain it to me, like what she? Because that's, that's what I was trying to, like, I think I missed. I was trying yeah. to understand, like, what did she do to Kylo? Like the way I interpreted uh-huh. it is just like outsider guy. So this is there's going to be tons of your like hardcore fans oh, that are cares, cringing, cringing right now. Just preach. <laughs> Never want, I, I thought that. that she she sacrificed herself. That okay. she she basically showed Ben that he was welcome to come back and be part of the fold and be part of the family, and that he still had value and that he was still loved regardless of what, like, I think it was all predicated on him killing Han Solo. Like that mm-hmm, was that yeah, moment mm-hmm. that both he and everybody else thought that he could never come back from. Mm-hmm. So I saw that as Leia saying to him, like, I'm giving myself up to show you that you can step back into the light. Mm, okay. And then when she does that, Ray is in her, her rage kind of thing and right. takes that killing shot. But then, she feels Leia's death comes to the realization that she's now um, forgiven. Yeah. She's forgiven Kylo. Kylo is Ben and that she needs to step back into like, she had kind of succumbed to her anger in that moment. Right. And now she needed to come back. Also Ray felt like a passive too. Okay. And and that's why she exiles herself. Like she Mm -hmm. realizes that she went too far. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you. That's the same thing I took away from Leia. Cause it's kind of, a little bit of odd exposition that there's someone talking in the background being like, it's just been too much for her. I can't really remember what it was saying. It was Maz was saying yeah. that she knows what she has to do now. Yeah. Yeah. Because the two of them on whatever planet, the, the, the resistance were on. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Resistance base. Yeah. They sensed that this was going down between yeah. them and Leia knew that this, if she didn't intervene, yeah. that she was going to be, it was yeah. going to be game over. I took it the same way. The intervention of it and the sacrifice of her to, I, I like the, your the way that you put it to open the door. It's not it's not saying that you're now redeemed, Ben, but it's like here. This is whether it's and because a lot of this is like the forced life transfer and all this, right? And I, I like that piece of it. Like it took her death for him to be like okay, and then we move into the Han Solo memory scene, mm-hmm. which shocked me that Harrison Ford was back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought he was just making that dog movie, and that was <laughs> so, yeah, right? oh man, that was rough. <laughs> I gotta see that opening night. <laughs> I was all I could think of in that preview. I was like, why did he agree to this? Like, he hates stuff <laughs> How like much this. Did they pay him? Like, yeah. he, he sat and talked to a CGI dog for the whole time. He, like, he barked about, like, talking to, like, aliens and stuff. Or... There's, there's that one meme where it's like, maybe Han and Chewie was just a, yeah. like a <laughs> delusion of this old man <laughs> in Alaska. <laughs> That's quite good. Um, but yeah, that was kind of, that was a bit abrupt for me. I liked that it was a memory. And that, that was, again, that, that forgiveness and the rehashing of the Force Awakens there and him instead of stabbing Han, throwing the lightsaber away, which is kind of maybe what implying what they should have done. But that gets you, this, like, Troy, does this do enough work for you at this point to get you at least to, okay, Ben is moving towards the light? Um, maybe, I don't believe there's a redemption arc in here. I believe it's an attempt at one, but I don't think it goes full redemption here. You asked me with what Carlos is pointing Yeah, is, all, or... all of that, kind of what we talked about here. Like, um, that, that helps. That yeah. helps a little bit. Um, and then the solo stuff as well. The solo stuff. Okay, the solo stuff t- to me was... Um, <laughs> I get it. I get what they yeah. did. I understand, you know, because they're trying to fix that relationship between father and son. But this is Star Wars, man. And you should have brought Luke. The last thing we hear Luke say is, see you around, kid. Yeah. The first thing we hear behind Kylo Ren is, hey, kid. So I'm 
boom, thinking, dope, we got Luke coming in to, you know, preach because he says, I'm going to see you around, kid. Yeah. So I'm thinking he's going to talk some sense to Kylo finally here. And we don't get that. Um, Star Wars is, you know, when you see these visions, it's always the Force Ghost. So it's really weird for them to introduce this now. I know it's a memory. I've seen a lot of movies out there and they yeah. do this all the time. <laughs> but it's Star Wars. I don't know why you wouldn't have a Force Ghost of, no, not Han Solo, but Luke. Or Leia. Obviously, you couldn't use Leia. Well, it probably would have been Leia. That's what I was going to say. Is this a right? consequence of the death of Carrie it, Fisher? It, it probably is. It makes more sense that that is like he talks to her immediately as a force ghost. For sure. But is it harder to do because that's a much more elaborate scene? And you need the proper dialogue to go with For it. Sure. Like they're very hesitant to use like any sort of CGI on her. Yeah. I yeah. think they used a bit with her lips in that. I, I, but I, like I so, yeah. to do a pivotal scene in the movie yeah. with a completely CGI'd Leia, like even at the end, the CGI Leia it's it's kind of like you yeah. Rogue one looks a bit uncanny valley yeah cgi leia and you needed something here that set ben on like you need to have a conversation with someone yeah like there's a sacrifice of leia and that's a piece of it but to me the next piece in a, a, a world where carrie fisher's still alive is she plays that role mm -hmm. of discussing with him and i think the han solo thing is just a reaction to that because i agree it's a bit funny right we have yeah. so much of the force in here and then yeah. we're kind of going to han solo in a memory yeah it's it's it's, it's uh jonathan kent and superman and man of steel which in man of steel that works we have that those two talking but yeah. in star wars you know it, it would have been even different if you kind of set up like the scene itself and went the force back route so you're taking us out of that scene and then you're having those two kind of sit down and talk mm -hmm. almost like uh killmonger and his dad in black panther because yep. they take you somewhere else but when you're doing it here it's it's a force ghost movement yeah. or moment not a memory moment well and it's like you could have had say someone voicing leia yeah and him having this whole thing in his head but yeah. it's weird him standing on the death star in the middle of this ocean talking to himself yeah like but i think with han solo you just you want someone to play off of for sure i think yeah. and so i I think that suffers a bit because of circumstance as opposed to sure. the actual film. They needed something there. They needed, I agree, maybe you could have used Luke, but a lot of it comes down to with Kylo is, yeah, Luke maybe was the catalyst for some of this. Mm -hmm. The book veers away from that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's his parents, right? Yeah. That are the big piece of it. Yeah. And so, I, yeah, I agree. It's a little more abrupt than you'd like, but like I said, I think it's more um circumstance and anything mm -hmm. uh, on that but after this so we've got ben i'll say now coming at least out of the battle here um unscathed to a degree because of ray mm -hmm. and looking more towards the light and you've got ray who now exiles herself now i call this next scene the middle finger to ryan johnson Big time. <laughs> <laughs> oh before we get into that though yeah, yeah the one really cool thing in the force heal scene and the transition of kylo to ben is when she heals him, it actually removes the scar from his face. Oh, does too, it? That she oh, I didn't catch him. that. No way. So That's the second viewing. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, really? Yeah. Oh. This guy, this guy here. That, wow. Two viewings. <laughs> I know, it's, it's so ironic. The commitment. That, that, the commitment. <laughs> the guy at the table. <laughs> no, I didn't catch that. That's interesting. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so, I really like that. Yeah, and it kind of just reinforces the whole healing all scars yeah. kind of thing. And, and I think Han... His mom forgives him yeah. for killing his dad, and then his dad, in his mind's eye at least, yeah. they have that kind of reconciliation too. So, so we could yeah. get a hot toy Ben Solo with 
no scar. Is that why they did this? I yeah. hope yeah. so. I want it. <laughs> head swap, yeah. man. Head swap. Yeah, yeah head swap, right? Yeah. 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 So you just buy the cost. Head swap. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. So <laughs> moving on. Great. I, I, yeah. To me, good the, eye, the, the, the contextualization that, that you bring there um, is more of what I was looking for out of that. Like, I think I feel great about that scene and what it does and how it sets really in motion the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially going into the middle finger scene. So we go back to act two, Ray's exiled herself, burnt Kylo Ren's ship, including the wayfinder. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she's really saying, or relinquishing the force. You know, she doesn't want to be this dark disciple of Emperor Palpatine. She said enough. She wants to throw a lightsaber <laughs> into the fire and Luke catches it and says, it's no way to treat. I can't remember what he said. Yeah. The weapon of a Jedi. The weapon of a Jedi. Like, he doesn't say laser sword. Um, but uh, to me, personally, I strongly dislike that scene in The Last Jedi when he chucks it over the shoulder. Very much so. I don't think that was what I waited for for two years. Again, this is my, that's my head cannon. That's my opinion. Yeah. No, I don't hold the truth on that. But I did dislike that. And this here was like a serious middle finger to that. <laughs> right and the, he goes on to say that because she explains to him i want to do like you and he goes well i was wrong yeah. another middle finger to ryan johnson <laughs> at least in my opinion yeah hamill seems to be enjoying delivering these lines <laughs> <laughs> so did are you guys taking the same thing away from this scene that uh it was a major retcon of luke skywalker oh man look the disrespect in last jedi when luke <laughs> Throws that lightsaber over yeah, his shoulders. Not so from JJ, me. man, if you're listening, I appreciate what you've done here. And um, hashtag that's my Luke. Yeah. That's my Luke. <laughs> yeah. Looks more full, longer hair. Yeah, man, it's flowing. Um, yeah, he's great. uh yeah, he's doing some wild stuff. <laughs> are, you, are you you reading the same thing off this? Oh, I don't know how you couldn't. Like, <laughs> it's so blatant. <laughs> yeah. Like to the point that I was like a little surprised that yeah. they were that bold with that statement. Because there's <laughs> Like, there's no misreading the intent no, no. with, with oh, that. No, like, not at all. Those two lines of dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. It was, to me, it would have been an even bigger something in the face. And he said, that's no way to treat a laser sword. That <laughs> <laughs> was also a really weird line in Last Jedi. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah he imparts, he imparts his, his Jedi wisdom. We get the wise old Luke that I think, especially Luke guys like yourself, Troy, yeah. we're really looking for here. Definitely. Um, he comes in very late in the film. I thought he was going to have a much heavier presence in the film beyond this. This yeah. is, again, taking Ray and redirecting her towards the light again. I think she felt that she had fallen. She had made the mistakes that someone moving towards the dark side would have done. She was trying to self-correct that by following Luke's footsteps, and he mm-hmm. kind of just says, no, this isn't the way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I find this moment here, although, yes, the big middle finger, mm-hmm. uh, it does a bit of course correction, Definitely. in my opinion here. And then we get him raising, kind of a throwback to the swamps of Dagobah and all that. The X-Wing, Luke's mm-hmm. X-Wing, man. It sat down there for a while. Surprised it's uh, you know, space-worthy. But <laughs> how cool is it that we get this moment where Ray is flying Luke's Red 5 X-Wing through space, sending a signal to the Resistance and leading them mm-hmm. to the Sith planet in the Unknown Regions. So cool. She's got his helmet on and everything. Um, the only gap, I think, I think the cockpit or one something in there is a door in the last jedi in his little hut but oh. uh that's neither here nor there oh, okay but uh appreciation for act two the revisiting you guys there yeah that's the most fun i've had on act two ever <laughs> <laughs> and uh and also you know to account for the um 
<laughs> I also really appreciate too the flashback sequence that we got of Luke and Leia training. Yes, because we get it there yeah. too, right? And that's when we get the new lightsaber exactly from from Leia. And uh, man, I ate that up. I loved seeing those two kind of fighting. It looked like they were almost training on. Um, how do I get the planet? The Force planet. Endor. Yeah, Endor. The Force moon of Endor. The first, yeah, exactly. So that was dope, man. I really like that part, and uh, it's a cool looking lightsaber. Yeah, so, it is. Yeah. Well, that was a surprising reveal. I did not think we were gonna get Leia's lightsaber in here. Yeah. No. Um, no. And it well, seems super appropriate. I'm glad it's not like just like the pink and that. Like, it was like really <laughs> elegant. Yeah. No, it was cool. Yeah. Cool. So. Yeah, and I dug how they explained why she didn't go full yeah. Jedi. That she had had a sense of what was gonna happen to her son. Mm-hmm and probably not even knowing that Ben was a thing at that point yeah. in time, but that she... She looked pretty young there. Yeah, yeah it looks like right after Return. Yeah, but it, it nicely explains away why she's not a Jedi, Yeah, mm-hmm. right? She had this vision and said, no, I'm not going to take the trials, I'm done. Which goes to your point about Bloodlines is that she had already made that decision to not be a Jedi. Like yeah. you said, this seems like it's like a year, a couple years after Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And this is the first person he's training to become right. a Jedi. Yeah. Uh, which is cool to see. Yeah. Right. And, and I think it could have been even so much cool if we got to see like more scenes of this throughout the trilogy. Like yeah. just to see it now in this one film. Because that whole aspect of like Leia, like not becoming a Jedi. I want more of that. There's always a more. huge question. Yeah. Like, why didn't Leia become a Jedi? Exactly. Uh, yeah. It was always kind of written off. as like She became a politician instead. Mm-hmm. A leader, yeah. if you will. Not a Jedi. Yeah. And the fact that this now really heavily weaves itself into kind of this last act here. Yeah. Um, as we're moving toward the Sith planet here, this is uh, this is when things go pretty crazy here. We've yeah. got, you know, very similar to previous Star Wars films where we've got multiple big battles going on at once. And one of them is Finn, Poe, and the company running around on the horses on the, the Star Destroyer, this on-foot attack. We've got Kylo and a few ships circling around fighting these star destroyers and they're kind of it's again this weird like there's a porthole we need to shoot at it's like there's a tower we need to shoot at oh it goes down okay there's no to me i'm okay with those contrivances in the the fights it's like let's just get these x-wings going let's get some tie fighters out there stars old school star destroyers (laughs) and let's make this this scene happen because it gets on a pretty epic scale Mm -hmm. if we're focused just on the space battle for now we see a lot going on here kind of really the as we're moving towards really the death of the resistance. And then you get the scrap. Did you guys, I come on on your left. <laughs> I, oh. for, a, for a minute there, I was like, are they, they're not going to do on your left. Po, are they? Because that's kind of really where it comes from. And oh, for sure. Lando, and then it's like, boom, 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 boom. Like that's a pretty cool scene. That right? is cool. That's the end game right there. Right? Yeah, it is. I thought I was like, no way. It was almost that exact. Thing. That's it was. Yeah. It felt, like and it was like the scratchiness of it. It was like the same thing that Falcon did. That's so funny! Wow, because <laughs> you got Paul basically giving up, right? He's yeah. like, "This is the end, guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry." Yeah. On our left. Yeah. See, that's why he's no Cap. Cap never gave up. No. No. Yeah. The man, man against a million. Yeah. <laughs> but overall, the the big major space battle before we get towards more intimate scenes here with Palpatine, Ray, and Kylo. Yeah. Um, you got you digging this as as the last space battle of the Skywalker saga. Um, no, not as the last, but you know, I liked actually the groundwork that was going on with, um, with Finn. Yeah. All that stuff was really cool. I love seeing all the fleet show up, yeah. but for a final dogfight, like, man, look at Rogue One, what that game was oh, in that yeah. third yeah. act. That was, that, that, that was, that's oh, precedent setting. That, that's that, that one's huge for me. Yeah. I love, uh, Revenge. I love Return of the Jedis. 
this though for being the final one not so much i was really more intrigued of what was going on with finn and those guys as yeah. opposed to like what was going on in space yeah the actual battle for me yeah and you get the sith yeah. troopers chucked in there yeah but i agree with you it's very much secondary to what's going on on the ground yeah yeah uh where rogue one it's primary oh. like that that's oh. like that's scene stealing uh, movie stealing yeah those scenes definitely yeah yeah digging the final the battle here yeah i thought it was cool they i appreciated that they did different things like yeah. having the the assault on foot on yeah, top really of cool. a, a destroyer and uh even just the the ships trying to take down some of the star destroyers just ship to ship type of thing because yeah. they typically don't do that right they'll run away but you had fighters taking on star destroyers yeah. and yeah it was yeah. it was all right like, yeah 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 it didn't blow yeah. my socks off by yeah. any, any mean but by any means but it's what's going on on the ground yeah that's really important here so we've got again ray arriving here um leading the resistance here she's there to confront palpatine and he demands that she kill him to transfer the power of all the sith into her and this is where again the dialogue i love the interaction the fact that we got ray staring at palpatine here um and telling him like she's come a long way again like we've seen her dip and dip and then she's come back up out of this conversation with Luke Skywalker and saying, like, I can't even hate you. Um, we get our first real good look at what's going on with Palpatine. You know, we've mm -hmm. seen him a few times. But at this point, like this machine, he's got this like cult following in this weird arena thing. Yeah. Really like this sacrificial type of arena. And he's begging for her to kill him. Yeah. And this is again where you see Ray really hinging on the fact that. She's not going to succumb to the lineage that is the Palpatine. And she resists this, resists to kill him. Um, as we kind of kick this off, Carlos, as we have Rey kind of really walking into the arena here, are you getting a real sense of finality to her character or wrapping up the arc? Or are you feeling that this is a point at where the film kind of takes some liberties with what they're doing with Emperor Palpatine? Uh... I don't know. Hard, hard to say. Like, I do appreciate that they didn't um, tempt you with, oh, Ray's going to succumb yes. to the dark side. It was, it was very clear that she wasn't going to go down that path. And I appreciated when they had Palpatine kind of say, yeah, Luke Skywalker went through the same thing, but he had his dad there to help him out. The only family that you have is me. Yeah, that's good. And, uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, and and he looked cool with the with the Brainiac rig that he had, yeah. <laughs> like carrying him around and stuff yeah. like that. So when that happens in Man of Steel 2, it wasn't ripped off. <laughs> Brainiac did it first. But uh, yeah, like I thought they set it up awesome. Yeah. And like, honestly, the only scene that I didn't like in the whole movie was in here when Palpatine like shoots the lightning out. Oh, the I thing. do. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, that's that's a bit much. Like, yeah. even if they had him just like shoot it through the throne or something like that, it might have. It was just it yeah. was a bit much. Pretty cartoony. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess it it speaks to you. I guess Ben enters the scene here. He kind of does the sprinting and all this. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Fight, fight. No, no, <laughs> yeah. no. I Because I think it really it kind of nicely dovetails into that is that we've got ben he's stripped off the kylo ren stuff right yeah. like he's just basically in a black shirt and he comes across the knights of ren who we have not spoken about at <laughs> once in here which is unfortunate because they're really cool characters really toyetic yeah uh, they never ignite lightsabers no they never do any force type things um but it leads to one of the coolest scenes with the the, the dyad there where they exchange yeah. the lightsaber i yeah. love that and he yeah. kind of gives this really you know cool shrug he's like 
Yeah, this he, is well, because the Han Solo. Yeah, like, you know when the Solo was like, I don't know what to do. He, yeah. like, he does what his dad did. Yeah, well, awesome. he was almost like playful in that whole scene, yeah, right? Yeah. Like even the faces that he's making to raise through yeah. the dyad, like yeah. Yeah. it was cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I really like that. And then this is where Palpatine. This is where I was talking about the liberties with Palpatine. Is like he starts to suck the life force out of them. Like I guess you know, there's a scene in the trailer. I can't remember if this is actually dialogue <clears throat> in the film or not. You know, you're coming together is going to be your downfall and all this. And he wants to transfer his essence into her but then realizes that he can take the essence out of both of them and recreate himself and so it's a bit to me it's a they're kind of back and forth like what does he actually want yeah. did he want her dead in the first place yeah. but then it's revealed that he didn't want her dead and yeah. he wanted to transfer her over but then ben shows up and they come together is really the downfall and he sucks the life force out of both of them and then he shoots it up in the space <laughs> And so it's the, I think <laughs> we've been asked to take a lot of leaps with Palpatine. Yeah. And this to me, I like it, but it's at points, it's a bit too much where I'm a bit confused as to what, maybe the second viewing will help, but I'm, I don't know what Palpatine wants. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's ever clear. Like I, he wants ultimate power, but does he want his essence inside of Rey? Does he want their essence? Did he bring them here on purpose together? I don't know where the Palpatine arc goes here. Yeah. Um, when he comes out of it and he becomes this like full, full that to me makes more sense that mm -hmm. he wants to trick them both to get here and suck that out. He wants to live forever. Yeah. I never got the idea that he wanted to transfer into Ray. He says it. Yeah. But yeah. why would he do that? Exactly. Yeah. The way I read it was that like he, that was his plan that he yeah. wanted to transfer himself into Ray, but he didn't realize that there was the dyad yeah. between the two of them until Kylo showed up. Okay, yeah, and yeah. then he has a line of dialogue about it being so rare yeah. that um, it, the way I interpret it is that he had no idea that it existed and that it was so rare he had never contemplated mm -hmm. that this would be an option for him, but then he takes the yeah. opportunity. Like, I didn't love it, but that's how I interpreted but, but it. didn't Snoke, yeah. which would be Palpatine, give them the diet? Like, I thought he yeah. is the one that gave them that bond. Yeah, uh, so now I'm remembering yeah. that you're bringing that up is, yeah, so Snoke bridges it. Yeah. But... My interpretation of that is that he thought he needed to facilitate it mm. and them continuing it beyond his facilitation. Okay. My guess is, my interpretation is that he thought that Palpatine needed to do that for them to actually talk, but they're so strong that it actually continued and evolved. Oh, okay. And he wasn't aware that it was still happening. Mm. But you could say, you know, if he's all-knowing, all-seeing, yeah. then how does that work? It, so again it's a it's a tad messy in there when it comes to what palpatine is actually doing i it's the the dyad thing and kind of the placement stuff and again consequence i think of them retconning who snoke is yeah like i think if jj went through this snoke probably i don't think palpatine would have existed yeah i don't think because snoke's treated in the same way at the start of this film that he was treating last jedi as a nothing character yeah it's just a throwaway you know you call it a, a, an avatar for emperor to be wandering around outside of the unknown regions. Yeah. Um, he literally was throwaway. There was a jar of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, it doesn't make much sense because when you look at the Snoke character and you read that Kylo Ren book, um, he visits Snoke and he yeah. even says like, you seem like you're doing all right after what Luke's done to you. Yeah. So you figure that's why he's all scarred and disfigured. No, that's just how Palpatine's created him the whole time. Yeah. Or it's kind of, yeah. So it's interesting yeah. though to see like the difference in our assessments of it yeah. because I'm just like guy going in blind. Exactly. Just yeah. the movies, but then you have like this other information that it's doesn't doesn't jive with and yeah. fair play. Yeah. Disney has told you all this stuff 
throw yeah. everything everything that I was exposed to in the nineties. Right. And that's that doesn't count. All the new stuff counts, and so that's what you're using to inform your opinion. Exactly. Then ironically, the stuff that this movie seems to draw from is like some of the things that they played with in like yeah. Dark Empire <laughs> the and all the, the yeah. Dark Horse books and Heir to the Empire, the exactly. Timothy Zahn stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it is it is wild and it's and it's odd too because I found that the subtlety of, of Palpatine, you know, some people might say it's on the nose and that, but it was I think well enough done throughout the film up until this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um yeah. and then he kind of comes back in full form. He's got the you know big red kerchief thing and all this oh, kind yeah. of stuff. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> yeah. But uh she melts his face off. Yeah. <laughs> after yeah. he starts, you know, you got the lightsaber thing. We've seen this before, capturing the the force lightning, yeah. which is, I don't know if this is showing Ray, but again, it goes a slight inconsistent. Like he's up there holding the entire resistance and first order, final order hostage with the lightning. Yeah. And then he shoots it at Ray yeah. and she can block it with both lightsabers. So yeah. little inconsistency there. And then like Indiana Jones style, man melts his face off. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, and it's weird because for someone like Palpatine, who's such a high planner, um, Mace Windu did the same thing to him. So I would yeah. have figured he learned his lesson last time. And like you mentioned, like the lightning that he shot out to destroy those fleets or power the fleets went take down two kyber crystal lightsabers. Like, yeah. But I don't know odd. if this is speaking more towards like, and I don't know why they didn't use some capacity of the force lightning because they established that she can do it. And they don't have the back, like, because we, we see Dooku and Yoda have that you, battle, right? Yeah. I, well, I think from before, at least what I gathered is, um, I don't know if this was legends or not, but good users. So like a Jedi can't use force lightning. If you rely on force lightning, then you become like Sith yourself. That's yeah. like a Sith power. So her using it the first time was kind of like an accident. She's like, yeah. my bad. But if she was to dig into it again, then that would be like digging into like a dark side power. So I guess that's why those two couldn't both go at it. Unless you want to go dark side, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah. It's so it's, I think we get, I guess to a point where she, and this is almost like a loop thing, right? She puts yeah. so much into that that she dies. Yeah. And then we've got Ben coming up out of the pit after he's kind of dismissed of, in a very similar fashion to what Palpatine, you know, shoved off into a hole. Yeah. He comes back and finds her dead, transfers the life force into him, and they share the kiss. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So, but my, my rationalization of this is that she wakes up, she says, holy shit. I just died. Um, <laughs> one with it. <laughs> and and lays it on him. Yeah. I would have preferred if she had stepped back and been said, well, that was weird. Let's never do that again. And he smiles and then dies. <laughs> and kind of acknowledging that it was a spur of the moment thing. Yeah. But like, come on, she's like a 25-year-old girl that's clearly never had any relationship in her life. And yeah. this is the closest thing she's ever had, other than the guy following around her, I guess, for the last couple of years in yeah. Finn, that she's has this like really immense bond with to me it was just like a snap reaction like like i said (laughs) i know this may have caused some issues across uh, some people yeah (laughs) are you one of those people (laughs) not 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 so much an issue just not believable it made no sense it came out of left field they've been on screen with three films now and there's i've never picked up a romantic interest between the two of them um yeah it's just it's really awkwardly played and what is that awkward kiss too like that wasn't you know, these guys have been swinging lightsabers around to the T looking good, like choreographed well, and they can't even land a kiss properly, cinematically. <laughs> it just didn't work for me. Um, and I felt like we could have had a whole movie that Ray didn't need a love interest. And same yeah. with Kylo. Like, I don't see why we, we needed that. Like, 
That's why interpret yeah. it as just a spur of the moment thing. Yeah, I, mean, I think they could have stopped it with the pause on, uh, I think, her touching Kylo's face. Was yeah. good enough for me. Much like Harrison and Kylo exchanged that. Yeah. Fine yeah. enough for me. But like she touched his face and then he just falls over. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and then I guess everybody become, become Force Ghosts now. Because yeah. he disappeared too, right? Yeah. After that. Yeah. So a, that was his transition, right? That's his transition. Like, yeah. we're just giving out Force Ghost cards yeah. all over the place here. Yeah. Our man, the kiss. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I... I, I've watched people make bad relationship choices for a very long time <laughs> in a professional capacity. So, yeah, I I didn't have a strong opinion on it one way or another. I was just it like... It didn't bother yeah. me either. I was like, okay, yeah. And and it's particularly because they they let him die immediately yeah. after. So, yeah, I was just kind of like, whatever. You, you went there. I was a little surprised yeah. that they did that. It, it felt... Because uh, it lingered there for a minute too. And it, like everyone's like holding their breath oh, yeah. is it gonna happen is it gonna happen is it gonna happen oh, no yeah. it's not gonna happen okay it's gonna oh no it. it's not no wait. oh it happened <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't yeah. know like sure it's yeah. it's not the end of the world to me yeah and like i said i take it as a fleeting thing like you know i just died yeah. <laughs> here I, was, I am yeah i was still a little shell-shocked from like the jedi voices before that yes we didn't talk about this yeah yeah so, yeah i guess this goes into so i guess we kind of skipped over this a bit um good point of bringing this back and this again plays into why she maybe is so powerful and able to melt Palpatine is that she's channeling the Jedi the same way he's channeling the Sith. Yeah. And there's a myriad of people, I guess, cameo roles, you want to call them. Yeah. They're speaking here. I, I caught Samuel Jackson, or so, Nick, not Nick Fury. <laughs> Mace, <laughs> Mace Windu. <laughs> I caught Hayden. I caught Yoda, Hugh yeah. McGregor, Liam Neeson, Luke, Leia. But apparently there's a whole pile of others. Yeah. Asai, um, um, Ashley Eckstein, Ahsoka yeah, Tana. Yeah, Ahsoka, Ezra. Yeah. Um, J.R. Kanan. Kanan, yeah. Yeah, is also in there. And you hear like a lot of dialogue from them. Yeah. Like, you'll hear, I think, um, Anakin a couple times. Yeah. You know, bring balance to the force as I did. Yeah. Um, which was interesting. Um, what interests me, though, is that, does that mean, I think Leia too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So does that mean everyone we're hearing is gone? So is Ezra dead? Is Ahsoka I don't dead? Think, I don't know if Ezra's in there. I know he's in there. They he say is. he's in there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And Ahsoka too, obviously. Yeah. They that, actually listen in the credits. Yeah. So uh, when we went last night, the, yeah. my buddy was like, we got to stay for the post credit yeah. scene. And then he's like, oh, I just lied to you. It was just, I needed to see who the Jedi voices were. Oh, no. I knew, <laughs> I knew that they listened. <laughs> I was like, That's oh. So, so that, 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 that's kind of interesting. Like, for first of all, you think, are they all Force ghosts? Or are they just living? And two, like, did they all die then? Well, I think she's speaking. Yeah, she's looking at the stars and kind of implying that, like, in the same capacity that, yeah. you know, Black Panther or like whatever, yeah. Um, yeah. Lion King, yeah. is that they're, that's a representation of, of spirits. Yeah. And I think that implies, yeah, if Ezra's in yeah. there, he's so dead. He's, 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 he's done so. So yeah. Ahsoka. Yeah. Crazy. Or he's maybe speaking to her from somewhere else with Ron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's a pretty cool scene. I, I guess for cameo wise, I think that satisfies a lot of the need of who's in there, but you didn't get your Hayden Christian cameo. No, so I'm not satisfied, man. No, no, I take it back. No, I would have had, like I said, I would have thrown Luke where Han was and I would have had Anakin catch lightsaber. I know I still got the cool effect anyways with Luke catching the lightsaber anyways, but I'm just saying for me, the chosen one, six films about Luke or Anakin and Vader, you throw, you throw Anakin in there somewhere along the line. Yeah. Well, you kind of got him here. Well, the voice. Yeah. So we, we end up with the Resistance winning, the destruction of the Armada, the Sith Armada, Final yeah. Order, Palpatine, I think, dead? Seems pretty <laughs> final time. to me. I mean, if he yeah. lived the first time, what uh, can't bring him back the second? I don't know if it, it's a different consequence of getting chucked down that tube. 
or getting your face melted off. Yeah. Well, by exploded, all the... right? The team yeah. the first time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So we'll call him dead. Yeah. We'll call the resistance successful here. And uh, which really drives us towards kind of a celebration scene. We see the Ewoks, which is great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> kind of floating around there. I believe you see Cloud City and the Star Destroyers and all that falling in the same capacity that uh, we've seen in the past with, you know, the, the falling. I guess this is that Revenge of the Sith. You see kind of the uprising and they speak to this, you know, Everything is falling. The first order is done. Um, so we do have this moment. These high fives. We're down on the base. Everyone's you know hugging and, and cheering and all that. We get this odd moment with Lando and, and Jenna. And then uh, let's let's move to the last scene of the film here, guys. Yeah. Uh, if you remember back, there was uh, Kevin Smith was visiting the set mm. of the Rise of Skywalker, and JJ said you can't go in that door because it's going to blow your brain apart. I believe he went in. Oh. And so this was the set of the. Lars Homestead on Tatooine. So mm-hmm. Ray revisits where we all, where this all started, uh, which is kind of cool. And she takes the lightsabers there. She buries them. She sees Luke and Leia, and there's an old lady that's just asked her who she is, and she calls herself Ray Skywalker. Yeah. Do you feel that man? Like this kind of doesn't fully go the Skywalker as the new Jedi. Yeah, but. Uh, as the, kind of the last line here, yeah. you know, Ben's gone. We've all the, the Sith are gone. Most of the Jedi are gone. We've got Rey Skywalker here. She's found yeah. her name. She's chosen her name. Yeah. Not found by lineage, yeah. which plays into some of the, the, the themes that we have in this film. But uh, how are you guys feeling about Rey Skywalker here to kind of cap all this off? <laughs> oh, I was fine. With, like I, I like that whole scene. Like, yeah. like you say, you go back to the very beginning. I like the throwback to the Force Awakens where she pulls out the piece of metal and slides oh, down the great. sand. I didn't chuckle and, for that. Yeah, and throws a, the lightsabers down the hole and then ignites her new one with the yellow blade. I guess that's the first time we've seen it. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I. It was fine. Yeah. It, it was like you, you could see it coming from a mile away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah. no, it's fine. I mean, you go back, um, the trailer episode, first trailer, or the, the announcement trailer, the, yeah. the called, it's, you know, the end of the movie, of end of every trilogy, that's when you get the reveal of what the title means. And um, I said before, they're going to do, uh, she's going to adopt the name. So I wasn't really yeah. surprised that she adopted Skywalker, and I thought it's it fine. I mean, the execution was okay. I like going back to Tatooine, that yeah. they, that pulls on the strings, the nostalgic strings, much like they did with um, the Death Star ruins when we saw yeah. Palpatine them fight, but... Yeah, it's, it's okay. Yeah, I liked it. You know, to me, it's a fitting way to cap off the saga, right? Yeah. It doesn't end, I guess, technically, the Skywalker lineage is dead with Ben being, but the name Sate carries on. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. And I, I like the new lightsaber, the yellow lightsaber, which speaks a bit more maybe to balance somewhere in the middle. I don't know. Mm. When she's a Palpatine, who's a Skywalker. Yeah. So she that's, is kind of That's kind of the, the middle, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think like that finding that, that is the balance that you know we've been kind of speaking about here is that you can't have one or the other i don't think she's a jedi i think she's someone else um great jedi people don't like but i'm okay with that because it has to be in the middle yeah <laughs> bit yeah. of sith bit of, bit of jedi maybe yeah. yeah i don't know so guys you know we, we've kind of banged through this thing we're a bit about 20 minutes past our, our, our <laughs> shot time here but um there's a lot to unpack here yeah 
it's been an absolutely fantastic discussion and i'm sure we've missed a few things guys you know there's some characters like rose and that that we didn't even touch on oh friend zone right yeah. i gotta say like, i think i whispered to my wife like, i heard, friend you, zone. heard you say that conspiracy is <laughs> like boom hand on the shoulder friend zone yeah <laughs> I, I heard you say that I'm a good chuckle. <laughs> oh how happy you are about that is hilarious <laughs> but that that goes to show i guess that this film was really centered on the main, the big characters in this and wrapping up those arcs. I feel that some of those characters that are unfortunately relegated to, to background scenery, um, even Admiral Ackbar's son is oh, in this. his son. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> I think Poe at one, calls, 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 at one point calls him Junior. So there's, a, there's still a lot to unpack, kind of the side characters. We'll get some comics that maybe help fill in. Even Dominic Monaghan's role was, you know, pretty minor. He's J.J. Yeah. Abrams guy, Snap Wexley. Another one that doesn't play a huge role ends up being one of the guys that, you know, takes a kick in the face and dies. <laughs> so um, overall, last final thoughts on this trilogy, how it's closed out. Troy, I'm going to throw it to you first. Cool. Um, yeah, I think it's a it's a decent closer for the sequel trilogy. I can't I can't say it's a good closer for the whole saga. I just can't. But it does close out this trilogy. Um, I feel like honestly, and I might get some hate for this, and I know I've been some liberties. I feel like this should have been two movies. And when I Agreed. say that, I don't just mean it should have been episode eight and then nine. I feel like they should have gone all the way and gone nine ten with what they had because you can't yeah. you can't fix eight. I mean, and if you like eight, that's great. Yeah. But I feel like if you went nine ten, then you could have done some stuff to bridge the gap between eight and nine more. And we could have gotten, you could have unpacked this whole film a lot more because there's a lot of things we're skipping over. Like I said, one of my biggest complaints is the explanation of Palpatine. If you're mm. finishing off this franchise and you're now introducing the fact that he has a, a, a granddaughter, you got to explain some of that stuff. It shouldn't be in the books. It shouldn't be for the fans to read the books. I, I'm going to do it because I don't mind. But anyways, two movies for this film. All in all, though, this is, um, I liked it. I, I enjoyed it far more than the last one. I still put Force Awakens at the top when it comes to the sequel trilogy. I thought that was incredible, that movie. Um, this one here, it's it's pretty good. It's it's pretty good. It's not amazing, like I said, at the top, and it's not horrible by any means. So I don't know what's going on with those reviews. Yeah, It's yeah. not that by any means. It's yeah. a lot of fun. And the biggest thing for me is it had the adventure aspect that's been missing this whole trilogy. Yeah. So. Yeah. What about yeah. you, man? What about you, Carlos? Yeah, I love it. I, I really, really embrace the idea that you put forth that it had the potential to be a 9 and 10 yeah. and just see this thing through. But given what the decision was that we're going to close this thing out at 9, which I remember when they announced it, I was a bit surprised at. Um, I thought it was a perfect way to close out this trilogy and to do what they can given the mandate, right? Mm -hmm. They were told, you're shutting this Skywalker saga down. We'll take Star Wars wherever we're going to take it. So I think they did an admirable job. It, like I said at the top, like it had all those pieces that for me as an outsider looking in makes Star Wars Star Wars. It, it's my favorite of the new ones. Like Force Awakens was a beautiful movie, but it was too much of a karaoke version of A New Hope mm -hmm. for me to give it a pass. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I liked it. It's like top three Star Wars movies, I think, for me. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 But, I think, you know, having yeah. slept on this for me personally, I still love this film. Yeah. Um, it gives me everything I wanted a Star Wars film, and I think it's a fitting conclusion to this trilogy. I agree with your sentiment that maybe not overall. Maybe, you know, Return of the Jedi is a better fitting end for the kind of the overall. Yeah. But I think for these characters, Rey, Finn, Poe, kylo ren yeah it closes it out very nicely i love it for what it is and i love it for its flaws too you know i give a lot of these things a pass i'm a star wars guy for sure and i said last week i wanted an experience i got that experience and i'm really pleased with this but i will echo your sentiments and this goes to the kind of right off the top we said 
this felt like two films this felt like jj abrams trilogy packed into two films yeah yeah the force awakens and this yeah and having extended out to eight and nine you probably could have serviced everything you're trying to do a lot better. You could have given time to those required moments that we really didn't have in this film. Star Wars is known for its ups and downs. It's yeah. quiet moments, you know, Dagobah and it's crazy moments, Hoth. Yes. Uh, that are almost paired back to back. And we didn't have any of that downtime to get exposition, to get explanation in here. It was go, 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 go. So it was a very fast paced film. It was breakneck pace for this entire thing. But First viewing, you know, I'm hearing a lot of people going back second viewing and absolutely loving it. I loved it coming out of the theater. Nice. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to continue to beat that drum. And I'm looking forward to my second viewing. I'm looking forward to see what happens next in Star Wars. This isn't this is an end to the Skywalkers as a lineage, but I don't think it's an end to the saga. Like, they didn't, nothing's closed out in my opinion, except for I feel that we're out of balance. No. Which fandom was balanced, but <laughs> <laughs> it's, we're balanced here. I find the force is finally balanced. I'm one of the people that say it's the force isn't balanced. Like I, I don't think that is done in that film. Um, people can disagree with me. I'm fine with that. But this film to me finds the balance in the saga that they've been seeking since episode one um, balance in the case of the narrative, what they're driving towards, maybe not so much balance of uh, the overall film itself, mm -hmm. but overall. Yeah. I loved it. Huge recommend from me. You got a ranking. Uh, no. Off the top of your head. I'll do the sequel trilogy. Okay. Um, I have a hard time with these two, but I'm going to say, because I've only seen Rise of Skywalker once, I'm going to mm. say Force Awakens, Rise of Skywalker, Last Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> last place for Last Jedi. Um, in the sequel trilogy. In the sequel trilogy. Yeah. What do you got, Carlos? Because you said top three, right? Yeah. And to, top three. Mine is inverse, so it's, yeah. Um, Rise of Skywalker, yeah. Force Awakens, like, or sorry, Rise of Skywalker, Last Jedi, yeah. and Force Awakens. Nice. And it just... Quite simply, like I had a really hard time with it's like this is a new hope, yeah. just yeah. with new characters. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and because I'm not as uh, in the trenches with the with the lore and with the franchise, mm -hmm. for me it's just like ah, this is what we're giving you as episode eight, whatever. I'll, cool. I'll take it at face value and so be it. So, cool. Yeah. yeah. All right, man. What's your what's your ranking then? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna go Force Awakens, uh, Rise of Skywalker, Last Jedi. Yeah. 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 yeah awesome guys well that wraps this behemoth of an episode up i think we we're kidding ourselves or i was kidding myself thinking we we're gonna try to keep this under two hours because <laughs> there's so much this is about the yeah. length of the film yeah. <laughs> we've yeah. talked through here it's been an absolute blast having both here talk through this we're actually gonna go have a beer yeah some dinner now uh decompress a bit from <laughs> this intense review carlos as always pleasure having you back on the podcast so you're gonna be like i said a fixture here for the next couple of weeks hopefully yeah if we can make I'd it all that. happen and uh yeah guys if you want to be a bigger part of this show if you have your thoughts or whatever you want to email into us you can always hit us up in the nerd i am at gmail.com you can find us on twitter all three of us we're always roaming around hashtag twitter gang whatever handles are at the end of the show there's a lot going on on twitter <laughs> so maybe dms are more appropriate <laughs> um you can find everything we do at the nerdroom.now as well as starscommonwealth.com all the reviews are starting to drop out here over at Star Wars Commonwealth from everyone else so there's a lot of niche fans in there so make sure to check out and get some varied opinions across that and we're going into january here christmas time make sure to find our instagram we're going to be posting those pics yeah. of the late year finds as well as the Christmas and holiday hauls that we will be pulling from our significant others that have so, so much embraced who we are as individuals. <laughs> and uh, yeah, guys, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever you celebrate, we wish you a very, very good end to this year. This is the last time we'll talk to you 
before the holidays actually happen here. So to you guys and your families, all the best. Thanks, brother. Um, Same to you. Yeah, and uh, I guess Happy New Year's, safe and health and happiness for for everyone going to the holidays here. Thanks for coming back every single week. Episode 200, guys. Let's not lose this. This is a huge accomplishment for us here. And we're going to be a little celebrating on 201. <laughs> Because this one's been consumed by uh, Rise Skywalk, and we have yeah. time to crack beers here on uh, <laughs> on 200. <laughs> so, with all that being said, for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. I'm Carlos. Goddamn Batman! <laughs> thank you guys very much for for joining us in, tw- in 2019. We look forward to 2020, and thank you very much for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, and Sanjay on Twitter at the Nerd RM, Troy the Boy 87, and Sanjabi. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out thenerdroom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts from Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Road Squadron Podcast, San Diego Saber's Radio Podcast, Retro Inc., and The Sandcrawler Podcast. Follow Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SWCommonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.